This is the Manga Mavericks Podcast from AllComic.com, episode 119. We are a podcast not only dedicated to talk about manga as a medium, but as an industry. I'm Colton. And I'm Lam Ramayasha, and today we hop on board the Nimbus Cloud once again to travel back into the world of Dragon Ball and answer some of your guys' questions. Oh boy, yeah, once again... We talk about Dragon Ball for at least another two hours. Yes, and we are not only joined by returning guests, Bomber and Joey, but we also have Vixon to answer questions with us, who also had recently read through the manga for the first time and missed out on our initial Dragon Ball discussion, but was able to join us for these Q&As. So we had a lot of fun discussing the series with all our wonderful guests and we were a really great team to talk about all these awesome questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we got a lot of fun questions and whatnot. And uh, again, I mean, it's 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 always fun to talk about Dragon Ball. I'll never, we'll never, he'll never shut up about it. We'll always find a way to talk about it. The manga Mavericks will always find a way to talk about Dragon Ball, no matter what. Just like how Toei and Shueisha will always find a way to keep it going. <laughs> Yeah, ain't that the truth? Um, but yeah, um, just like last time, we don't really have anything at the top of the show that we really need to talk about. So once again, we can just kind of get right into it, you know, if we're all uh, if we're all ready. Mm-hmm. Let's instant transmission right into our Dragon Ball Q and A's. We're back after a yeah, care break, Kamehameha, to give you romance and to give you paradise and to make your dreams come true. That's right, you'll see fancy magic can happen to you because we're answering your questions in our Dragon Ball Q&A extravaganza! We got power. Koko Denki, I think that's how it goes. I, I, you put my... No better than me. I don't know the Japanese. <laughs> I don't actually know. <laughs> I'm not cool enough. I've only watched the dub, so. <laughs> Casual! <laughs> but we're full of full body Zenkai power, and we've gathered up all our friends, and we've recruited a new friend into the mix for this episode as well. Vix, who you've heard before on Manga Marics at Movies. Us, or Z Warrior Vix. Oh, excuse me, Zeto Senshi Vix. I, 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 Zeto Senshi is stupid. It's stupid, but it's fun. I like it. Hi, I'm here too. Yeah, and yes. originally you were going to be on our regular Dragon Ball episode, but unfortunately, like, just the scheduling didn't work yeah. out. So I'm glad we were able to have you on for this episode, going over Dragon Ball Q&As and covering a lot of good bases in terms of, like, Dragon Ball thoughts I'm from ha- some of these questions. I'm happy to insert my really, really correct opinions <laughs> into, y- y- into into this group. Hello, everyone. I'm glad to be here. All right. Yeah, no, we're happy to have you on. Um, and then we should probably reintroduce our, our good our other good friends as well from uh, from the previous discussion, uh, both Bobber D. Rufi, otherwise known as Sakaki and Kiribon on Twitter, and uh, Joey Weiser. Hello. Yo. Uh, so glad to have you guys back on to uh, 
hopefully uh, hopefully answer some Dragon Ball questions and finally round off our discussion forever. <laughs> I think I'm ready. No sure. more Dragon Ball talk after this. Oh, sure. I'm sure we won't find ways to talk hours on end about Dragon Ball ever again. It'll never. There's no more Dragon Ball. It's just done forever. <laughs> Dragon Ball Super, the manga? What's that? Which I need to read sometimes. Uh, yeah, same. I, I'm sure we'll never see Dragon Ball again. That probably movie was an excellent <laughs> kickoff, even though I've never seen it, and I should fix that. <laughs> Go watch it. It's actually great. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but yeah, no, we, we, we spent so long kind of talking about the series that we just didn't have time to get to uh, uh, all of our fan questions that we got. And uh, I think we should just get started Uh, if you want to go ahead and start reading some of our first ones. Sure, we'll get started with some questions from my good friend Dr. Insatsu Ken on Animation Revelation. First, EK asked us some pretty straightforward questions, and the first one being, what is our favorite arc? Ooh, that's a tough one already, right (laughs) off the bat. Uh, I mean, then again, I I, I think I said on our previous discussion, I think I said mine was the Saiyan arc. I, I, I think mostly because I just... I, I just love how like intense it is all throughout, especially when Vegeta and Nappa show up. And you know, I, I think I said in general, my favorite stretch of the series is everything between the twenty second uh, Budokai and uh, and the Saiyan arc. But uh, it's, like, what I love about the Saiyan arc, especially, is that I like I, I love I, I love everything from the initial Goku versus Vegeta fight up until it starts to get really really desperate to the point where like you have to have Gohan and Krillin and even Yajirobe show up to kind of help Goku because it's just probably like up to that point it's probably their most desperate fight because Vegeta you just you just cannot kill him (laughs) yeah not to dip ahead into the next question but that fight with Vegeta might very well be the best fight in the series in my opinion in terms of like how tense it is how destroyed everyone is at the end of that fight the progression of time in that fight, the use of characters, everything is really, really well done. But I think, if I recall correctly, a lot of us said that the Red Ribbon Army arc was our favorite arc. Yes. Hi, I'm also, it's also my favorite arc. Okay. <laughs> Yay! I'm a basic bitch. <laughs> actually, it's actually kind of an unpopular opinion, I think, for the Red Ribbon Army arc to be rated so highly. Well, those people are wrong, so that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was something I brought up last time too. Is that I was I was kind of surprised that everybody liked that arc so much because I don't know per- personally. I I think it's fine, but it's it's nowhere near my favorite personally. Um, and and in general, like I I I don't know. I mean, I guess besides you guys, I I don't know too many people who like legitimately like really 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 like that arc. Yeah, it just uh, yeah, and I'm sorry if I repeat anything that I said previously, but like. It just kind of represents the like I my personal ideals of what I like about the series. It has that sense of adventure. Goku's still pretty innocent um, and discovering things for the first time, uh, but then it also has this sort of like ramping up action and and some drama and stuff in it uh, as well. And then it caps off with that awesome like one of my favorite kind of mini arcs, the the Baba's tournament, um, which I really really love too. Mm-hmm. That one's definitely a highlight for me as, uh, as well. Uh, what about you, Bomber? Yeah, I mean, it's like what Joey said. I, I feel the same way. It, it, it is to me, not to say that Dragon Ball... Well, no. Actually, 
Dragon Ball as a series is more about like the fighting than the adventure, especially later in the Z part. So I kind of like that red ribbon, as Joey said. It kind of represents what becomes sort of the Shonen formula later. You know, the characters go on an adventure, they meet up with stronger bad guys, you know, um, and it comes to a head when they meet, you know, when they get to the end, get to their goal or whatever and beat the main guy, you know. I, I, I just, I, I guess I just like that formula in Shonen Manga, like that it is just, a, a, it's a kind of a tour de force of things ramping up. But to to what you just said about not many people saying that they not many people being into the arc, I kind of wonder if it is because a lot of Dragon Balls like I hate to say marketing, but for lack of a better word, the Dragon Ball marketing is very much based in Z. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. And like when they reference things from earlier Dragon Ball, they always start with King Piccolo. Like in the montage in the Broly movie where Goku is like reflecting on all his past opponents, like it starts, the earliest it starts is Goku beating King Piccolo. Yeah. And then it continues from there. Like completely skips over all the other fights that happened before that. Like it starts with King Piccolo as, oh, this guy was the first real serious big bad guy. This was the first really serious big story arc in Dragon Ball. Because apparently Tao Pai Pai never happened, and that wasn't Goku's that wasn't Goku's first brush with the serious side of what he's been doing and death and and using the uh, Dragon Balls for altruistic purposes. You know that, that never happened. That's that's not important to his arc. Toriyama forgot about him, and so did Toei. Yeah, I was just about to say Toei's never given a re-release of the original Dragon. Well, they might have, but Z gets constantly re-released and updated, but they never do the first series. Which is really interesting to me. <laughs> yeah. I know why. I, I know why they do that. Um, mostly because the original Dragon Ball was made. Um, the audio records were completely lost, and the only audio that we have is on film. So if you've ever heard the Dragon Box audio, it's in stereo. Yes, um, which that's great, but it's very very muddy. And uh, t- and even though fans um, have collected the broadcasts of the episodes, like the audio broadcasts of them. Uh, from Tokyo Tower and the Sky Tree. That, so these are very, very high quality audio. Uh, Toei is awful and terrible <laughs> and also racist and refuses to um, and refuses to accept the fans' generous donations of their own gosh darn audio mm-hmm. because Toei. So, it, it, uh, so it, like, um, since the audio quality is degrading every single year, you literally are not going to get better than the original Dragon Box. Yeah, I think speaking to like the later arcs kind of being more popular, I think in the kind of second half of Dragon Ball and then the Z portion, like uh, the arcs are often categorized by the big main villain. And so you've got the Piccolo arc, the Frieza arc, the Cell arc, all that, Science, all that stuff. And with Red Ribbon, you don't have that as much. That's uh, a lot, kind of more of a compilation of lots of little tiny stories with different little villains and then it all leads to like red and then black and the big robot, which isn't like quite as like compelling as like Piccolo or Cell or something. Um, so I think that that's just maybe why it fades away because it doesn't have a single thing to easily grab onto as much. But I think that it has kind of the appeal of uh, One Piece in a way of having like moving from location to location and having lots of little stories that are very compelling on their own. Yeah, that's what I love about it. I love how many different places the series goes during that stretch of chapters, and they're all really unique locations. We go into a snow world. Inside Muscle Tower, there's like a like kind of Japanese forest. 
then there's a maze, then they go underwater to, like, a pirate fortress. And then they go to the most exotic land of all, Penguin Village. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dr. Slump just returns for a few chapters, for just, like, a chapter. That's, yeah, heck yeah. <laughs> and I love the progression of, like, the small villains. I do agree with Joy wholeheartedly that I think that one of the big reasons that the pre-Piccolo stuff doesn't get as much attention is that there was a lack of a strong, big, unifying villain that every thing was building up towards defeating. No. But I love the progression of villains Goku fights in the Red Ribbon Army arc because he starts off with like the dregs of the army, like the Colonel Sever, who is just like a schlub in the manga. And then he works his way up to fighting a world-renowned assassin in Tao Pai Pai and then taking down an entire army after that. I did like that part, but... I do, I do like the oh, the way Path to Power handled um, the Red Ribbon Army arcs, like, unifying bad guy. Because gener- obviously the Red Ribbon Army arc proper, it's if you're going to unify all into one arc, it's, um, it'd be, um, you include the Urani, the, it's, it's, you know, it's when yeah. Goku finds I mean, out the Red Ribbon Army exists to or, the resurrection of Bora. Yeah, I mean, the Fortune or Baba stuff is like the conclusion of the arc. I yeah. which don't Toei consider doesn't, it separately. Which Toei anymore. doesn't really think. I, I don't know. A lot of people consider it like a separate thing from Red Ribbon, too. Like Funimation, Saga Divisions separated that. Of course, Funimation also separated the Red Ribbon arc into like Red Ribbon Army, then General Blue, then Commander then, Red. So. Yeah, because obviously Commander Red had so much to do with everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although, oh, yeah, oh, wait, wait. The Red Ribbon Army arc also, it, it also introduces the most important plot point in modern Dragon Ball, which is people using the Dragon Balls to grow taller. <laughs> this is the most important thing. And this is this this is a plot point that's come up time and time again, and gosh darn it, it's it's great. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm kind of special. I'm a very special special child because I grew up um in the, I grew up in that magical time ta- um time like GT had, um GT was kind of airing, but it wasn't that popular in the United States, and Dragon Ball Z was just kind of the big thing, and. I only figured out that Dragon Ball existed through Dragon Ball Z abridged, and when I watched it, I was like, hey, who are these other guys? Oh, look, there's this thing called Dragon Ball. I want to read that. So I started with Dragon Ball, like Dragon Ball the manga proper. So my impressions of what the Dragon Ball universe was, was outside of like the promotional stuff at McDonald's and stuff, which was, you know, big, shiny, yellow things, was these cool guys on cool adventures. And that's really shaped my mentality on what I believe Dragon Ball is and should be. It's a Nakafushigi Adoventure. <laughs> it's a mystical gosh darn adventure all across the world and I, with an ensemble cast of, of 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 recurring characters that are fun and interesting in all of their own ways. We've got Launch and Roshi holding the fort. We got we got we got Yamcha doing his diddly darn best. <laughs> uh, we, um, we, we've got Korean and Bluma doing their um, doing their thing, and it's nice. It's really really nice. I li- I, I like the way that Yamcha's um, trying to take on the leader role with everybody, and he's very very well suited to it. He's and. It introduces it, it. You know, this is this is really, really never brought up again outside of Dragon Ball. But he's like that. He's he's always like the one that's like first to put himself in the line of danger and to throw his life away for you know everybody else. Of course, he never actually has to do it. But 
Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Guess that's Remember true. when Yamcha was admirable and he would always, <laughs> you know, strive to do the right thing and to get put himself in danger to help people. You know, remember that? You know, Dragon Ball Super Tournament of Power Arc. Remember, remember Yamcha was a brave and proud warrior. Yeah, they really, they really did him dirty in Super. They, they, they did him well, dirty. Thankfully, in everything. the latest chapter of Dragon Ball Super has rectified this by allowing Yamcha to fight and win and look cool for once. So, whoa, man, I'll have to actually read the Dragon Ball Super manga now. <laughs> that's <laughs> why. That's why. That, that's the only reason. Okay, I'm full disclosure here. My favorite characters are all the ones that like are get totally shafted. <laughs> my my favorite character. Well, actually, this would be a good transition to the next. Part of the, the series of questions from EK, which is favorite characters. So. Oh, yeah, oh, and also I like the Red Ribbon Army arc because it has oh, right. my some of my favorite fights in the entire series oh, because yeah. there's just so many gags. There's just uh, it, Murasaki, Murasaki, amazing. Just just um, Arale, um, the um, uh, Upa and um, Puar. It's just it it uh, um, uh, Akuman. It's just also. It's silly, it's serious, it's the perfect blend. It's that perfect little Dragon Ball mixture. Mm. <laughs> Spicy. <laughs> mm. So if, if we're talking about favorite characters, that's also a tough one. Because I, I always go back and forth between... Uh, I mean, look, as much as I love Yamcha, um, I wouldn't really consider him my favorite character. Um, I always go back and forth between, like, Piccolo and Vegeta. Like, it really depends mm-hmm. on my mood. Like, sometimes I'll be like... Man, Piccolo is so goddamn awesome. <laughs> and then other times I'll be like, "Man, Vegeta is so goddamn awesome." <laughs> um, I, I don't know what, what. What about you? What about you guys? Uh, Krillin's my guy. <laughs> yeah, Krillin. Yeah, Krillin. Krillin's also Krillin, good too. Yeah. He's he's like I think I may have said that he's kind of like the heart of the series in some ways. Eventually, but I love at first when he's. Uh, introduced and he's kind of a little jerk and he like uh, is kind of an antagonist to Goku in in a way but they become like buds in a way that's like very charming and and feels very real and um, yeah so I just I just love him and I I love kind of following his he's always involved somewhat even if he's not like able to you know fight alongside Goku he's always kind of involved somewhat in the story arc and I like following him as he like gets older and builds a family and all that stuff too. He's he's just super great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Con- con- contrary to to the popular joke on uh, Team Four Star, where it's like, oh, how, the with the Krillin counter and how useless Krillin can be when when really like you know when you really look back, like it, it, at the very least, Krillin is always like involved and always like contributes something, mm-hmm. which I really appreciate. So. Yeah. Yeah, even when he messes up, Krillin feels like his heart in the right place, and he always feels like he's making a contribution to the story in a valuable way. Mm-hmm. Even in Team Four Star, um, like they 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 do a very very good job of referencing when Krillin was he um uh, when he contributes like what they very they very much still play up the aspect of he's a person he, he's he's a, he's somebody who knows his limits and what he can do. Even though that's true, yeah, yeah, he gets owned a lot, but he, but my, what I really like about him is that he's, um, he's never really cowardly. He j- he's, oh, there, that's my phone, shush phone. Uh, he he, he knows he knows his he knows his limits, and he want um and but he still wants to protect everybody. And I think it's really great that he became a police officer, honestly, because that's the kind yeah. of person I think he grew to be. But I also love him at the beginning when he's just a cocky asshole. Yeah. <laughs> And just fits right in with with uh, with Kame Sanin, uh perving on launch. 
Yeah, I always love that Krillin tries to do his best and do what he can, even if he's not the most powerful person out there. He always tries to find a way to help out in a situation. And knowing the whole knowing your limits thing is a really great idea, too, that I really liked in the uh, 23rd Budokai, where he has a fight with Piccolo, and he, like, gives up the fight. But, like, it's not, like, a cowardly thing. It's, like, a sign of how much he has grown as a martial artist. And that he knows his limits. And that he knows that he's done his best. And he can be satisfied for that. And everyone congratulates and is proud of him. And so, like, I thought that was, like, a super good character moment. I think it speaks really well to Kirvin's character. That he will try his hardest. But when he knows that there are limits to what he can do, he will, like, bow out and think about how to approach things in a different way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't really get hung up on the a lot of the the fact that he's useless now because of all the Saiyans running around. He's still doing his best. He's still trying out for Bajokais. He's still he's he's always on the front line of action, which I mean is partially because uh, Toriyama really really likes him. I mean, he, uh, originally he was supposed to be phased out apparently after yeah. his arc, but he just the way that he grew because you know he had a very very complete character arc and yeah. the twenty uh, first Bajokai. But he was very popular. If you read like some of the fan letters that are all the back of the early Dragon Ball volumes, like you've had letters from kids who are like, "Oh, I love Kurumin. Keep him around. He's got a little chestnut." <laughs> I've eaten the chestnut that his head is based on. It's very tasty. Kurumin's a very tasty man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but here, what 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 about you, Bomber? Did you say? No, I was I was uh, I was also saying Kurumin. Kurumin's like my favorite, like character because again for most of the reasons everybody said here i just like that he's just full of snark <laughs> like he's the one that always has a snarky reply to somebody saying something weird and outlandish or something <laughs> like that and yet he still jumps in and joins in with everybody like that i i i, I mean not to get too off topic but i, I almost want to say and of course we know oda's a huge dragon ball fan but i almost want to say a lot of what usopp is is own the krillin Krillin, oh, that's interesting. Or, yeah. yeah, Krillin walks so Usopp could run. <laughs> <laughs> so. the, the comparisons are easy to make, especially if you're watching the English dubs, considering that Sunny Street Boys is both mm. characters. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, they're they're both voice. I want to I want to believe Funimation did that on purpose too. Like they're both <laughs> they're both similar characters, so we have some Sunny Street voice both of them. <laughs> so that that's true. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, I just I I do like the underdog. I do like the underdog characters like more so than the protagonists because it's more fun to watch them grow and be like, you know what, I'm never gonna, I'm not going to be a monster like those guys, but I'm doing my <laughs> best. <laughs> so yeah, I, I I agree with that. Well, uh, my favorite characters, I'm in uh, the same line of thinking as Colton in that I really love Piccolo and Vegeta. Vegeta is probably my favorite character, even though he's an interesting character to like, like. I when rereading Dragon Ball recently, especially, there are a lot of things Vegeta does which I don't really find cool. Like murdering an entire village, including children? Not very cool. What, you don't think that's cool? No. But what I like about Vegeta is <laughs> that he's an interesting force in the series because he's not a good person and he's not really he's only on the protagonist side because of self-interest. So it's a very tenuous and flimsy relationship he has with the rest of the group but that makes him interesting because he's like a villain protagonist in the group he's like 
uh, throughout the Namek and even into the Cell arc, like, he is kind of a third faction who is acting out of his own interests. And sometimes his interests align with the protagonist's view. Sometimes they don't. And he ends up uh, screwing them over or being a threat to them. And I find that really interesting. And that also comes back into playing the Boo arc where, you know, he gave up on fighting after, like, seeing how useless he was at the end of the Cell arc and just, you know, losing all reason to continue fighting because Goku is dead and so like the person he wanted to kill is not even there anymore. But then like I like that they tie into the fact that you know he hasn't really changed when he allows himself to get taken over by Babidi because all he wanted this that entire time was to fight and beat Goku and prove that he was the strongest scion around. And then I like the conclusion of his arc in the Boo arc that he realizes, well, no, my priorities have shifted. I do care about other people. I care about my family now. And then he makes a sacrifice. And then again, he in when he gets brought back to you know, help out in the final battle with Boo. Like, he also puts himself in harm's way to help Goku, you know, finish the fight and then comes up with a strategy to help bring everyone back to life and kind of make amends for what he's done. And, like, there's a pic, like, the way he phrased his wish in the Boo arc so that he could account for all the people he killed as well also kind of shows, like, you know, a growth, a maturity in his character. And again, we mentioned before, like, him like reflecting on what the difference between between him and Goku is and realizing that Goku's desire to protect people coming first is what has made him so much stronger than Vegeta and him accepting Goku as his better is also such a great character moment too. So Vegeta's character arc to me is like really fascinating and he's like just such an interesting force within the series that I, I really, really like him a lot. But one character I also really like a lot that is somewhat underrated depending on I guess the circles you run in is like Tenshin Han because Tenshin Han is also a really great example of like kind of a heel turned good guy like he starts off as like a complete douchebag rival in the 22nd Budokai he breaks down his leg he like is going along with the sort of settings plan to, like, humiliate the turtle students and then ultimately, like, kill Goku. But then he has, like, this crisis of conscience that Nestroshi inspires in him about, like, what he really wants as a martial artist that causes him to rebel against the crane master's teachings. And then he, in the next arc, in the Pickle, King Pickle arc, he has, he tries to atone and tries to, like, change and also tries to be a hero and save uh, the world like when Master Roshi falls and like he really becomes kind of Goku's right hand man in the King Piccolo and Piccolo Jr. arcs where like he is kind of Goku's confidant he's kind of the supporting player that helps out uh, and Goku entrusts important tasks with like when Goku rescues Kamisama from Piccolo he throws the bottle to uh, Tenshinhan. Like, I really like that Tenshinhan played that role in those, like, early, uh, I guess, mid-series story arcs before, you know, he gets killed off and then his role is usurped by Piccolo and then by the end of the series, Vegeta. Even his character arc is kind of taken by Piccolo. Yeah. Which I, one of the things I really, really like is that um, the transition between the um, 
the, uh, between the 22nd Bidokai and the King Piccolo arc is uh, Tenshinhan's arc isn't over just because he got a talking to. All of the arcs, like, they still continue into the uh, into the Piccolo Daimao arc. And Tenshinhan is still a cocky asshole, and he still is doing dumb things because yeah. he hasn't completely changed. And he's still putting his life on the line, not because he wants to protect others, but doing dumb things because he's like, I can do this. I'm I'm super, I'm the best. I'm going to fight <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, you could, you Kame Sanin students, you suck. <laughs> and he, uh, but he, it, it's just so cool to see him humbled by the sacrifice of Kame Sanin and Chaozu and just all this good stuff. He's a, he's a wonderful boy. <laughs> yeah, he gets really humbled in that fight with Drum, which I think inspires him to, you know, not be as arrogant in his abilities. But yeah, the real c- conclusion to like his story arc really is in the 23rd Bidokai when he is confronted with like his former master, Tao Pai Pai, and he rejects his ways. He shows how much stronger and better than him that he's become. And he just utterly defeats him and tells him to leave and like never bother him again. But like it still affects him. Like as he leaves the ring, yeah. like people are congratulating him and he's just like, I'm just going away. He doesn't like even look back at them. He just like walks out and then it's not for there for the rest of the preliminaries because it's like really stewing and brooding over it. And of course Tao gave him that scar across his chest that he carries for the rest of the series. That's like a reminder of his old ways <laughs> under the crane school. Which is that's so good. He's like one of the only characters with a complete uh, a, a complete like written arc that spans multiple arcs and I mean it's it's, ob- it's obviously it's not complete, but it's a very, very well-written one, especially for Toriyama. It's a very good character study. Yeah, his decisions to turn good are kind of more internal and have more drama than, like, Piccolo, who's just kind of like, well, I'll team up with you because we have a common enemy. And then kind of over time, his desire to be the conqueror of the world just kind of fades naturally. And I think Tension Hand has a lot more... And he also gets that morality pet in Gohan uh-huh. that kind of softens him up. That's true. Like, caring for a child warms his bitter heart. <laughs> he's, no, he's, no longer, he's no longer a Daimo. He's just a piccolo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say, after hearing all this Tension Han talk, I'm very tempted to say that uh, that Piccolo and Tension Han are probably pretty interchangeable for me in terms of... Uh, uh, who my favorite characters are? I think I still like I think I think I still like Vegeta more than the both of them. But uh, Tenshinhan has has some really good stuff too. He's arguably one of the most complete characters in Dragon Ball, like, like you guys were saying. So yeah, he gets a good moment in every arc he appears in, at the very least, even if he doesn't manage to save the day or if his efforts are like only temporary stop gaps to the villain plans like in the cell and boo arcs like he just slows them down for a bit but doesn't like stop them like it's still cool that he gets to contribute and he does get a cool moment but i also will put it out there that i think one of the reasons that i like tension on uh why i might have been drawn to him as a kid is that he definitely gives off a lot of big gay energy like his relationship with chow zoo I mean, how devoted they are to each other. Like, the fact that Tenshinhan was willing to die after Chao Zhu died, like, just because he, that destroyed him so much. And then in the afterlife, he was like, you know, if Chao Zhu doesn't come back, I'm going to stay here too and be with Chao Zhu forever. We'll be together forever. Like, uh, you know, uh, OTP no right there. 
true best couple in Dragon Ball. Also, he just doesn't give a shit about Launch's affections because why, why does he need Launch? He's got chats. Yeah, exactly. Although, too. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fair. We should probably move on to the next question. I didn't though. get to say my favorite, though. Oh, oh I'm, I'm sorry, Vix. Go ahead. <laughs> it's all right. Um, I'll make this really, really quick. Um, my, my favorite characters are mostly just because I really like the aesthetic, what they stand for. And just, I like some of their character moments. My favorite characters are people like Gohan, Videl, and Yamcha. They're all, all pretty interchangeable. <laughs> I just, I love, I loved Videl's introduction. I loved how she, I, I, she's only, a, like, good for, you know, three chapters. Two volumes. Yeah, two volumes, few chapters. She's just, but what she gets to do, she's so interesting. Yeah. She, um, earned her father's respect. She became the martial artist that Mr. Satan always pretended to be. <laughs> um, she fight, uh, she fights crime, she's extremely perceptive, and she has this martial artist attitude of never, ever giving up, regardless of what, uh, of what the consequence is, um, against something that's legitimately evil, which that's Spopovich. And Gohan's like, no, no, you can't, you can't stay down. She's like, no, screw you. <laughs> I'm gonna beat this asshole with my dying breath, goddamn. Yeah. And that's just, it's so interesting to me to see a character like that, because there's very, very few characters in Dragon Ball who are human, who are, you know, will, willing to do that kind of thing in such a public space. I mean, everybody, like, does their big, big, dumb sacrifices, but they're usually, like, for, you know, the plot. And this is somebody that's, ah, oh, it's just, it's just interesting to me, and I like her. Yeah, Videl's perseverance in that fight with Spopovich, like, fighting even after she's battered and bruised until, like, she's, like, literally critically injured. It's, it really reminds me of, like, Gohan fighting against Raccoon. It's like Gohan, like, just did not give up until his neck was, like, broken. Yeah. It, it was kind of um, harrowing for me just to see a normal human side character get to this point and have so much, uh, just ha have this happen to her. But she kept getting up. And it was just, it, um, at, especially at the, that point of the series, which is the Boo arc, which this is after, you know, humans are stupid. <laughs> Who cares? It's, it's been a long time since the, the Cyan arc where everybody got to contribute but was brutally beaten, but just kept trying their best. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Yam Yamcha to me, I really, really like his. I really like his arc. I, I like his character growth. He's really funny to me. I um, he starts out as um, as a cocky demon lord bandit, <laughs> and then he's then him and Puar are Team Rocket for a while, and that's just <laughs> oh god, I love them. And then and then him and Bluva um, there's um, become besties, and they're really really cute together. But um, Bluma's kind of a dick to him, but that's fine. They're friends. And then, yeah. that, then that kind of doesn't happen. But they're really cute yeah. when they're allowed to be together. Yeah. And Yam, um, and um, I love I love Yamcha's cockiness, but he's still got a he's he's got a great head on his shoulders, and he's like the intellectual of the team. But when he gets out into the heat of battle, he just gets so wrapped up in it, and I like that kind of thing. Like he's got a very very cool exterior, but a very hot interior. <laughs> Yeah. Which I really would have loved to see that explored on after he fought uh, Shen, you know, Kami-sama. Yeah. But that, you know, that never went anywhere. And of course I love Gohan because I like, I like the great Saiya man. Yeah. And I like, <laughs> I like, I like big, I, I love the, I love the idea of a big dorky country boy who only knows city life from television <laughs> going into the big city and being like, okay, I've got these amazing powers. How do I do, how do I become a symbol of good and help these people? The, these people need me, kal -El. I, I, I will, I will become, uh, they, I will, they will follow me into the sun. And puts on a big doofy costume.
costume and Bloom is like, yeah, this is so cool. And Gohan's like, yeah, this is so cool. And everybody's like, this is so stupid. <laughs> he practiced in his bedroom all night. <laughs> yeah. And then and one of the reasons I love Videl is that just instantly she's like, yeah, no. Hi, Gohan. What you doing here, buddy? It's like, how'd you know it was me? I almost wish you didn't figure it out so quickly, because then we could have gotten more great Saiyaman adventures. Well, like, I, I want I, I wanted her to be the only one in that world, because, like, they just, like, everybody's an idiot. Except yeah. probably Videl. Yeah. I, I love that she figured it out using clues that were in, that were, that were only, that, were, that anybody could have used to figure it out. Just like, yeah... You asking to leave to go to the bathroom? That was pretty stupid. <laughs> of course you're the great Saiyaman, you dumb dog. <laughs> but I only I wanted her to be the only one to figure it out. Yeah. But that's just me. I go on Videl are pretty adorable together. I like that Videl also becomes like great Saiya woman. Or great Saiyaman too. I love the baseball game also. The yeah. baseball game was the best. <laughs> I, I wish that the orange uh, star students had gotten to do something. But that's just yeah. me. Anyways, next thing. Oh, yeah, uh, I guess the next thing would be favorite fights. So I think we mentioned it earlier, but I definitely would uh, stand by the fight with Vegeta being the best in terms of action, in terms of intensity, in terms of how characters are used. Desperation. And yeah, desperation. And again, like the. Yeah, devastation. Just the I fact that win. they barely win, but it's like a bittersweet victory because they lost four of their friends in the process of this fight. And the bad guy is getting away and promises to come back again and kill them all. So they just barely have won and clung on for now. But like, it's like the a complete total loss. It's like the only really downer ending to an arc in Dragon Ball, I think. Where it's like the protagonists technically have beaten the bad guy, but they've lost so much that at that point in time, they don't know how they're going to get back. Just everyone's friggin' dead. Nobody can be wished back. This is... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm, what about uh, either Joey or Bomber? Uh, I have to go back. Uh, I'm going back to the OG with this one, but Tao, Tao Pai Pai's fight against Goku. The first fight against Goku. Cause that, one really that one is really so good. good. Yeah, so good. Because I, 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 I have a Tao Pai Pai bias. I love the guy. <laughs> but, I mean, I think Joey touched on this. I don't know if it was this time or last time, but... um. It was the first fight, because up until now, Goku hasn't really, really had too many problems against anybody. I mean, other than, obviously, Jackie Chun. <laughs> but, and that one time against Yamcha for, like, five seconds. And also the Jiggler. <laughs> anybody <laughs> remember the Jiggler? Yeah, that was awesome! I love that fight! Yeah. Okay. Fair enough, fair enough. But like up until I But but I I I get I get what you mean though, like of like he he's had like He's had minor inconveniences, but Tao Pai Pai pretty much, was, yeah. like, the first time it was like, holy shit, Goku didn't just win. That was the first time he could have actually yeah. died. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he should have, but grandpa saved him. Yeah. Grandpa I mean and I like that whole thing too, that his grandpa kind of is watching over him or is there protecting him and I mean yeah, of course, it's just he lucked out, but still, I like the, the symbolism of that. But yeah, Tao Pai Pai, just as a character, I love him, and then the fact that he was the first one to kind of really make Goku actually, or, you know, work to win, you know. I, I mean, obviously, in Z, we had more fights where it got, you know, the as the stakes rose, we had more of Goku actually struggling, but I feel like that first fight, that first, that battle against Tao Pai Pai being, like, Goku's first time actually struggled a little bit, 
actually is one of the things that you know. And first of all, it made it made that part of the arc more. Uh, it solidified it more in my mind as like, okay, this is actually getting really interesting. Like, I actually like seeing Goku struggle. I like seeing the character struggle, but then it's like, okay, now what is he going to do next? And then introduced some um, more elements that we see later in Dragon Ball too. And just again, Tom Pyfos is fucking awesome. So, <laughs> <laughs> and that has a really good that really good element that you see over and over again in the series, but of a guy who's like can't believe how powerful Goku is and is kind of constantly losing his mind over it, which is very fun <laughs> to see. Um, yeah, my favorite fights. I don't know. It's kind of hard to choose. Um, there is so much good stuff in the Z stuff. I, I, I keep coming back to the different Budokais, though. I don't know, maybe Goku versus Han or Goku versus Jackie Chun. Like, those are both very exciting early examples of him being pushed, kind of like the Tao Pai Pai thing. And they still add in a lot of the, like, uh, little humor beats and stuff, too. And I do really love in the first Budokai, like Jackie Chun's whole like reason for being there to like make sure that Goku uh, doesn't get too cocky, you know, and the fact that you start to wonder, uh oh, is it not even is that not even going to work out? Is <laughs> Goku actually powerful enough? You know, um, so, yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a really fun fight. Yeah. Mm-hmm, for yeah, sure, I, I like those, and plus those early fights, just having that element of okay, Goku's not able to just power up <laughs> and, <laughs> and re- or achieve a new form and then win. That those are that's why I like some of the Dragon Ball fights more than that because it is just it does come down to just really like the ten the ten Shinhan fight. Like he should have won that, but he got hit by a car. I know, I love that <laughs> ending. So good. I mean, like that. You're not going to get that in C, and I just love that element of just surprise, of just like, yeah, in any other way, Goku should have won that. And I and I like that it builds up to him actually winning one, although that was up against Piccolo. Like, mm-hmm. like I feel like that, obviously, yeah, of course, there's the stakes of him having to save the world if he wins, and Piccolo obviously nuke everybody, but like I like the fact that the first one he wins is that one. It feels like a great kind of... Not bookend, but like, yeah, bookend, really. Because if Goku had won the, the Budokais up until then, I feel like it would have been less of him. You're like, because, okay, they keep doing them and he keeps winning them. What's the point? I mean, it's not it's not nearly as interesting. It's like, okay, the main character still hasn't won one yet. And we know how strong he is, so... <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was definitely a smart decision to not have him, like, win right away. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's been winning by, uh, by a, just a bit more every single time. <laughs> And I I, th- I, th- I think that's rad. Yeah. yeah, it's like the culmination of, like, his arc up until that point and, like, his journey as a martial artist. And, like, it's so satisfying that he ends the 23rd Budokai. It's not only, like, it's like the world martial arts champion and savior of the world. It's, like, so satisfying that Toriyama had to include a note saying, no, 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 the series is not over yet. There's going to be a chapter next week. Don't worry about that. <laughs> One of the things that I really, really liked about it was it wasn't just Goku being stupid when he was insisting on fighting uh, according to the Budokai rules, this was a very, very big thing for him because he had, he had, this is what he's worked his entire life for as a martial artist, which I, I really loved. But my personal favorite fight is, because um, I'm very, very heavily biased towards, I like the physical movement, I love the martial arts um, a lot more than the beam struggles yes. and um, key blasts, which it's 
there I mean I think that the 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 blasting and stuff is really really cool especially during the boo arc where they find really really interesting and cool ways to do it with um the cartoony physics of boo and yeah. just the amount of imagination that they have with stuff like go tanks but uh, the Tianxin Han fight versus Goku is in my opinion the most absolutely brutal fight of the series in terms of the drawings and the um and the panel layouts the the panel layout is very very open and spacious so um the characters are very very large in them and so it's just so much easier to see how each blow is connecting and even something as funny as the vo- as the volleyball thing <laughs> the yes <laughs> it's uh like it, it um it's a, immediately punctuated by just how absolutely brutal the blow is against Goku you just, um you see the spittle flying out of his face and just the absolutely shocked expression and then He's hit, he hits a wall, and then he's given one moment to breathe before Tenshinhan just screws him up again. And I, I, I love seeing the forms on display, I, um, how the how the crane school is just so much more brutal than the... It's not very artful, but it's very practical, mm. the Kame-senin school. Toriyama really, really liked drawing that kind of thing at the time, and I understand why he changed it later, because it's a lot easier, and he wasn't as invested in what he was doing later. Except with the Boo arc, which he seems very, very invested in what he's doing. <laughs> I just really love the... I guess it's mostly for the arts. I do love the struggle that's going on. And I love the I, I, I love how um, Ten Shinhan's changing throughout the entire fight. And it's a very, very long fight, but it's a very satisfying fight. And then Goku gets hit by a card, and that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> It just, they just they just start pulling shit out of their ass for the final fight. And this began with a brutal beatdown, and now it's just kind of like, oh, we're gonna we're trying try to blow on the ground, try to fly. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, I mean, all those are all great collective fights. I mean, Dragon Ball is known for its fighting, so there's just so many to talk about. But that actually brings us to a question, another question from EK about how Dragon Ball is criticized for being long and overly drawn out with its fights. But one thing that he noticed while reading the manga is that it's not really all that much more drawn out than many other battles shown in manga, if at all, uh, with few real exceptions. So he asked, do you, we feel that the criticism is really deserved or is it more of an issue with the anime that became synonymous with the series as a whole? Um, I believe we actually kind of touched on this here and there on our previous discussion uh, once with, uh, I, I, th- I think we kind of touched on this and how like, yeah, really, as far as the manga goes, like, I, I personally felt like, and I'm, I'm sure maybe, uh, I'm assuming we all agree that it's a pretty brisk read. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, obviously compared to the anime, but um, I think I brought up last time that um, I think it's really only during the, the Saiyan stuff in particular where, you know, Toriyama feels like he's kind of speeding through so much of it in the beginning, like, especially the training uh, which I which I think is one of the only things I actually kind of prefer the anime over, where it's like I I I liked originally getting to see Gohan and more of his journey and more of his kind of one off uh, uh, journeys and episodes and whatnot because I thought that really added to like like the episodes with the robot and the orphans and whatnot. Like I really thought those added to his journey and uh, his growth as a character. And, uh, you know, I really like seeing, uh, all the other characters train as well. And so I, th- I think that's the only, I think that's, I think that was the only time where I thought 
Toriyama's brisk pacing kind of worked against him almost because there are also some times where like his pacing is so brisk that like you don't really have the time to kind of like you don't really have the time to kind of let them let more emotional moments sink in almost yeah there are definitely times where i think the series benefits from slowing down and let things just linger for a little bit more in terms of the fights being drawn out i would say that in the manga, because it's such a quick read, like, it doesn't feel like it goes on too long. I think the one exception is the Frieza fight, which in the manga is still the longest fight. It's, like, 30-ish chapters, and that does get a little tiring uh, upon reread. I cannot imagine reading that fight weekly. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Especially if you consider, like, how this stuff would be paced weekly. Like, that would have been, like, almost, like, a, a year's worth of that fight. Like, that would have been... That's crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah. On my second read of it, like, my first read of it, I breezed, real, I breezed right through it because it, I, I thought it was pretty exciting. That's my second read of it, I already knew what was going to the basic beats of the fight, and... Just there was so much stuff that could have been thrown oh, away. Yeah, that's the, like one of the big things about the fight is that there's like so much kind of things that don't go anywhere in terms of the fight with all of basically every part of the fight before Freeze enters his final form is kind of like just filler time yeah. wasting because like none of it matters. Freeze isn't at his final form yet, and Goku was in here. None of these characters are going to do anything. Yeah, with other fights, it's very, very. Um, they use the ensemble. They use the ensemble cast very, very well to make it feel like they're wearing down the opponent, and then Goku comes in and does his thing, or maybe Goku's with them the whole time. But it, with this one, it was just kind of not. Yeah, I mean, at least at the fight with Nappa, like that, you are seeing more and more damage being done to Nappa as the fight goes on. Mm -hmm. Like, they are doing something to him, but with Frieza, like, nothing they're doing is, like, actually hurting Frieza or, like, tiring him out. Like, he hasn't even used 1% of his actual power. <laughs> this isn't even my final form. <laughs> <laughs> For me, originally, I thought that the, um, the perfect cell fight really dragged on but that was just mostly because I wasn't really a big fan of the perfect cell fight. Like rereading it, yeah, I think it's I think it's fine. I, um, I think the pacing's pretty okay. The Goku stuff is kind of I I, I don't even remember anything that happened during Goku's fight with him outside of the. Uh, you don't of... remember him kamehamehaing Cell's entire upper body? Oh, I do. I that, do that is a that. cool moment. Using yeah. instant transmission to fake him out to land that blow. Okay, yeah, that one I remember. I do like some of the moments in that fight a lot more upon rereading it, and I love Gohan's moments in that fight, but I guess that the perfect Cell was just kind of wearing on me at that point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Cell. You're, you're, you're cool, I guess, but I, I think it's mostly an anime problem, honestly. Yeah. Um, I do think that from what I've been seeing of the Dragon Ball, um, the original Dragon Ball anime, um, dragging out some things, like the... Uh, uh, Shincho, uh, Choshinshui, the, uh, the, the true god water, like, the way that they added a little arc in there. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, I think, improved that story so much by mm -hmm. actually having Goku have to go on a journey to kind of earn the, the power-up in that way. I mean, I still, I actually do think it works in the manga in the sense that 
you know, it is a struggle that is bringing out Goku's lacking power from within him, like the Ozaru power. And I like that connection. I like that Goku's kind of tapping into, like, his inner strength that he previously could only use in the Ozaru. And the Super God Water brings that out, and that's the power he uses against Piccolo. But, like, I like the journey added in the anime, where he, like, is tempted to, like, oh, no, stay here with this illusion of all your friends, mm-hmm. and don't return to the fight. Which is, that's really nice to see, because a lot throughout a lot of the uh, Piccolo Daima arc, he doesn't really interact with a lot of his main friends, like... Yamcha or um or Master Roshi or anybody else, which I think would be um I I, I think that, that what that adds is um at that point Goku's learning that they're also in danger and being in a place where they're all safe and nobody can hurt them would have been really really tempting for him. Yeah, because he he just watched his best friend die. Yeah, so rip rip rip, rip in peace, Kirin. <laughs> Also, I, I, um, I hear the Boo arc is just really, really not breezy at all in the an- anime, but in the manga, it's very breezy, because it just keeps jumping around because I can't decide what the frig to do. <laughs> Still very long. I mean, it is the longest arc, but yeah, I mean, it goes a lot of different places. Where it starts and where it ends is, like, <laughs> very different. Yeah, like, e- each each part just is really, really fun. I like I like Gotenks. They're fun. Oh, yeah. They're and- fun. Ooh, doesn't even show up until like a third away into the arc. Really. Yeah, and then when Boo appears, it's really it's really great to see how it, this is a, this is one of the first thing in a while where it's affected like the whole world, and they do a good job of showing that. And the anime really could have done a great. The anime could have gotten so much filler out of Mister Satan and Boo. Being they best. did. They did like four episodes of that. But they should have done more. <laughs> should have done whole the whole. I want a whole season of the Mister Boo and Mister Satan show. You know. You know. Honestly, I would have been okay with that. This is actually bringing us to our next question, which is like our thoughts on things that the anime and the manga, like which version does certain things better or worse than the other. So we're kind of getting to that territory here. Yeah. And I would agree that I think that like the anime takes advantage of some things that are very speedy in the manga and kind of builds more story around them. Like, uh, like Yamcha's car. Yeah. Like I like that runner at the end of, uh, the both the Pilaf arc and then the twenty first Budokai, like there's this whole subplot as Goku parts way with his friends about Yamcha's car breaking down as the rest of the group is leaving. Which I actually kind of like because one of the main problems I had upon rereading the manga is when I was younger and I read it, I had this whole thing in my mind about where they all went afterwards, and then when I reread it again. I was I was very surprised to see that Kirin didn't um didn't like you know go and adapt to city life and yeah um Yamcha wasn't hanging around Capsule Corporation and I was like wait did I just make that up and I apparently did apparently mm-hmm. totally did <laughs> so and, it's, yeah like, and I, again like I like stuff they add to the show that like really brings out more of like the interesting ideas in the uh, text of the manga but like really fleshes it out to an even greater level. Like, Tenshin on Zark, as much as I like him in the manga, he's, like, really given a lot more depth and struggle in the anime. Uh, like, in the 22nd Budokai stuff, like, they add a lot more scenes of him contemplating, and then they have, like, even more, like, tension between the Crane Turtles girls, like, Sirius, and he tries to 
like murder Goku in his sleep at some <laughs> one point. And then in the King Piccolo arc, you have an episode where Tenshinhan meets like a person that he like hurt in the past and he has to atone for that. And like so nice. they really fleshed that out a lot. And we mentioned Gohan's arc in the anime again, but yeah, that is so much more improved. Like adding those episodes, showing Gohan's journey of like maturing and kind of coming into his own. And I, think it's very good especially considering dragon ball z was our first introduction many of us to these to the story when it was brought over here in anime form like to have episodes just reintroducing us to the uh side cast and like having showing them train and uh grow as well to just make the impact of like their deaths in the uh arc like even more devastating so the anime also expands on the teen gohan stuff uh with him and videl and stuff in a way that's really fun and i think helps kind of their relationship uh progress a bit more naturally than in the manga um and yeah i like i like when the anime takes like fun little things and uh like kind of side stories and makes episodes out of that rather than just kind of um drawing out the powering up and 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 stuff that makes it gives it its bad reputation <laughs> um like it's been a while since i've seen the dragon ball anime but I, i'm pretty sure they give us a few episodes with like piccolo as a little kid uh which is something that i uh really wish that we'd had more adventures of him as a child but I, i'm pretty sure there's like an episode or two uh with him in the anime it's more like they're as somebody who has watched the original dragon ball recently it's more like they're like during the time of goku's training they kind of show having a side where piccolo's like being raised by his family okay. and yeah, like he's right. obviously a very very evil kid <laughs> so he's like <laughs> so like it, it's yeah, i there might be a full episode um but i don't think i think it's more just goku's training uh here's what kid piccolo's doing Goku's training. Here's what Kid Piccolo's doing. You know, and just like, I, I do, I, I do, I do agree with you though. I, I do kind of like that they have those sides to kind of show what he's doing at the time that Goku. So it's not like he just appears at the tournament. Like we've seen this progression. And I feel like the anime does do a good job of like showing what, you know, having that progression up until why this is important more so than just like, and again, you know, going back to the previous question with the brisk pace of the manga. It, it does help to have the anime kind of fill in those holes, which, like, I, I feel like that is kind of a good way to adapt a series. It's like, rather than anime just drawing panel for panel, or going completely, you know, a different direction with the story, like, feeling like, okay, the artist wasn't able to get to this in the manga, let's fill it in a little bit. Yeah, sometimes you feel like with these kind of long-running shonen authors that they purposely give those little drops for the anime, that they're just kind of like, here's a thing that you can expand on, but I'm not going to bother with it. And I feel like that Toriyama does a little bit of that. Yeah. Especially the longer series runs, more long running it takes. And like the creators are focusing on like the big picture. And it's like, okay, I can't do like these smaller stories or other ideas, but maybe like if I lay seeds of it, or if I could give this idea off to like the anime staff, they can do stuff with it. Like uh, famously, Tai Kubo had that entire idea for the Beast Swords arc in Bleach. But, you know, obviously the uh, Arankar stuff just overtook the story that there was no way to fit it in. So the anime used that as like a season's word to filler, a filler storyline. 
Yeah, and, and and Oda said it several times too that like yeah he does things in the anime. They in Toei and Oda they talk a lot about what to do, and I actually think I mean getting a little off topic. I actually think that that has made the One Piece anime a little bit more entertaining than the manga lately, especially as of late, <laughs> because it is filling in those gaps a bit. Like because Oda's definitely going at top speed to finish, but like. Like, the anime is definitely fleshing out some things, which is nice. But as you said, I do like it when they do, instead of focusing on, you know, drawing, having, like, a zoom-in of this guy's face as he powers up for five minutes, I do like it. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that they instead, you know, flesh out character backstories and everything. And I remember for a while, since I hadn't read the manga, that a lot of stuff in the original Dragon Ball anime I thought was part of it. But Yeah. yeah. So I, that goes to show how well it's integrated. That it didn't feel like, okay, no, that totally feels really off, like, off basis. Like, I was actually surprised, especially when I read the manga for the whole thing with uh, Piccolo raising Gohan. I was actually surprised that wasn't in the manga at all. Like, when, mm. I, was reading the, when I was reading the manga. I was as well. Yeah, when I was reading the manga <laughs> the, first time, for the first time around, because again, like, so my experience with Dragon Ball is I watched it on Tsunami, finished it, and I never read the manga, never read, you know. So my first time reading the manga was for this podcast. So yeah, I was ready. I was getting amped up. Like, okay, let's see how Toriyama's going. Wait, what? Wait, what? It's just, <laughs> huh? This is six months later, and that's it. <laughs> and then he kills. A, and then he kills a dragon, and that you know that's that's what, and he kills the same the same dinosaur that terrorized him earlier. Wow, amazing! It's such a good arc. <laughs> well, he doesn't kill the dinosaur. He just cuts off a yeah, slice he, of his tail. Yeah, he takes yeah, yeah. his tail, and it's just like, what? What about the whole? Huh? Don't think about it. Don't think about it. So, I I like I like the deleted abridged scene where um uh uh, where where uh where Piccolo and Gohan are both crying about their their dead fathers. (laughs) 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 That is pretty funny. But related to differences between anime and manga and like how that affected uh, our perceptions of the series, uh, Ek also asked like. Did the English dub slash soundtrack affect our perceptions of the series initially? Like, different from what we, uh, had thought, or when we saw in the manga, we were surprised that, oh, this is actually different from how the dub made me think of the series. I'm gonna go full disclosure on this, um, since I got into Dragon, and since I, I wasn't part of the Toonami generation, never had cable TV, I personally only ever experienced the um, the Kikuchi soundtrack, and um, I downloaded the Falconer soundtrack and tried to listen to a bit of it when I was reading through the manga myself. I I liked some of it, but the Kikuchi soundtrack to me it had a lot more tracks that I really really liked, especially Piccolo's theme. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. um and all the insert songs like Ami <laughs> Yeah It's so so and then Yamcha's L- Lonely Wolf song, which God, it really makes me think he's like Terry from uh, <laughs> uh, uh from uh f- from Final Fight. Mm-hmm. Which I really I think, think I think that I think that's my first memory of like Actually, seriously, reading through the Dragon Ball manga was uh, was uh, being at a friend's house, and uh, I think he was taking a shower, and I was waiting for him to get done. So I, I just I just started going through his Dragon Ball manga collection, and I happened to have a few uh, I happened to have a few like Dragon Ball 
uh, pieces of Dragon Ball music on my iPod. So I just kept I just kept listening to Wolf Hurricane while uh, reading through the beginning, uh, just 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 like on repeat. Cause, cause that was about, that was my first time finding any like character songs from Dragon Ball. So I was like, oh, Yamcha has a character <laughs> song. Okay, I'm definitely downloading this. Yeah. So like, hey, V Lord. Uh, but yeah, every- V Lord, why don't you <laughs> answer this question for us? Did the English dub of Dragon Ball affect your perception of the series initially? That was different from when you read the manga. Also, the Faulkner soundtrack versus the Kikuchi yeah. the, or the Kai soundtrack. What do you think about Faulkner? Walker, I don't really care for the score. Okay, so like... Everybody's angry at you now. <laughs> people like the Falker score? <laughs> uh, oh, 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 yes they do. They... V, v Lord, you, you, you vastly underestimate the people that grew up on the Toonami Dab and nothing else. No, like, people in this call like the Falker score. Oh, no. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like, I, I can't imagine Colt like the Falker score. Yeah, no, 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 the call, the call, the call, you're fine. No, I'm just talking about the internet. Yeah, the, the internet's wrong. <laughs> yes, exactly. no, I agree. I'm just saying, watch out, V Lord. Yeah, we're gonna get you. Well, what was the Dragon Ball part like? So, do you think the English dub, the differences, did that affect a different idea in your mind of the series than like what the manga presents or like the original form of the series presents? Did the English dub like a, a, affect your perception of the series? Like Goku's character arc, or yeah, like famously, like Goku's characterization, things like that. And especially the Super Saiyan. Yeah, so like the Z portion, yeah. The for original Dragon Ball, no. Yeah, they're they're pretty they're pretty accurate with original, yeah, original Dragon, Dragon Ball. Original Dragon Ball kept the Kikuchi soundtrack, and it you know the dub was also a lot more faithful. Gotta get it's very surprising. Magic like Magic Dragon Ball. <laughs> I don't know why original Dragon Ball was more faithful than Z or GT. GT famously they cut sixteen episodes and then they have got a also a heavy metal soundtrack or whatever or heavy rock soundtrack. And the rap. Was, don't forget the rap. <laughs> and the rap. Yeah. <laughs> like, I still remember the team they played for the Dragon ending. Ball GT. Yeah, I still remember the team they played for the ending credits of GT, though. But that's... But uh, I guess to answer for myself, uh, I don't know if it, like, affected my perception as a kid, because I, I, I just... It didn't feel out of place as a kid, the Faulkner soundtrack, but neither did Kikuchi when I watched the series with the Kikuchi score. But now that I'm older, like, I definitely cannot watch the show with Faulkner music. It's mm-hmm. like, the mixing is very loud, and it drowns out the actual voice performances like that's the that's like even the biggest thing for me more than the music itself it's like the mixing is just terrible but uh yeah it's just a lot of it kind of is like white noise to me it all really sounds very similar and too synthy <laughs> and it's just it, there is like some kind of a mystical vibe they can give up at times that works when they're on like kind of exotic places like Namek or the heavenly realms uh, like Kyle's planet and stuff but Otherwise, like, it's just, it does feel out of place for, like, what the tone of Dragon Ball is. But, I you know, there are some good tracks that I will always, like, have in my head. Like, Trunks' team, the da 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 
is very haunting and very tied to my perception of that character for sure. Especially like an introduction, the trailer they had cut with him, like promoting the Trunks arc that had that song. And then of course the perfect cell and the boo teens, the super boo teens are like really, really good. Uh, in my opinion. I, I, I'll say just for myself, um, I'm d- definitely a Kik- uh, Kikuchi guy myself. I, I really, I really love the work that he does, uh, that he did with the, with the score for Dragon Ball just in general. I, I have a lot of that. I, I listen to a lot of that soundtrack on its own, like so much. Um, but in terms of the Falconer score, I don't really care for it in general. I think the one piece that is weirdly stuck with me, but besides besides the infamous cell theme, is uh, is is when uh, I like I vividly remember catching like the episode where Goku actually like finally kills Frieza on Namek before it's about to explode. And um, I, I, th- I think the I think the track is called Gingyu Transformation, which is weird <laughs> be- because like I, like I listened to that track and it cl- I remember that track being the music that they use like right after Goku kills Frieza and he's kind of like contemplating and you just hear and I remember as a kid that just felt like such a big moment to me. <laughs> That like it's it, that, that that's just weirdly always stuck with me, so I do have some I do have some attachment to that moment in particular. But other than that, yeah, no, I I can't say I'm very attached to the Falconer score. I will say the after reading the manga and because um, I think at the time I owned all of the Orange Brick sets, which uh, I ended up just giving to my friend because I wanted to collect the Dragon Boxes. But but I think the moment I realized, wow, this dub is not good, uh, was um. I was watching some episodes of the Goku versus Frieza fight, and um, there, there's this one particular moment. I wish I could remember how it went, where because um, because the dub also did that thing that I don't like in older dubs, where they have to, they they constantly just add dialogue in scenes that were originally meant to be more quiet scenes. Yeah, um, which is something I think Funimation did a lot. But we, the kids are going to get bored. Yeah, exactly. But I remember, I remember the scene, the scene in particular where clearly Goku and Frieza are not talking, but they have each other like talking off screen, <laughs> and it's this, it's this weird interaction where like Frieza's like, "Your shoes untied," <laughs> yeah, and Goku's just like, "No, they're not," and Frieza just goes, "Oh snap! I thought I had you," or something, oh God, something yeah. really weird like that. That See, really just made me think they were so afraid of silence. Well, you see, the thing is that could have that could have been a great way to the, that could have been great and in character if Goku had said, "Oh, what, really?" and then bent down to touch his shoe. Actually, that yeah, that would have been good. Yeah. Um, but no, that was the moment where I realized, yeah, this dub's kind of dumb. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but to, to mention that track you mentioned earlier—that's that, another one that's definitely stuck in my mind over the years. And also Vegeta's theme, which is like da 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 da, like with the bells or whatever, like large clanging sound effects. Like it, it did capture like the bombast of Vegeta to me. That definitely fit with Sabat's performance of the character, at the very least. I do like that the Falconer score does actually have character themes for characters that are introduced after Dragon Ball, because Kikuchi, um, any new music 
had to come from the movies um, during the Z era. So things like um, uh, Frieza or the um, Super Saiyan theme, those are just reused things from uh, the Dead Zone movie. Everything is just reused from the movies with very, very little new themes introduced. Um, I don't think the Boo arc even... The, the Boo arc, ha uh, like, when Boo appears, um, outside of the, uh, the, the Orange High School part of that, I don't think there's any <laughs> new music for a lot of it. Mm. Uh, so, um, so Falconer does have the advantage of the characters having distinct themes and lent motifs, um, uh, because you know pretty much only Piccolo has one yeah. in in Z, and that's only because in the movie Dead Zone and some other movies uh, they have like some somber themes for him that were then used for the Namekian people. The Kikuchi stuff is yeah is really like ingrained in in me in my soul <laughs> that's that's just like really important for me and 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 as i've been kind of following this path of like digging deeper and deeper into older japanese film and like uh watching a lot of kind of like toei yakuza films and kind of trashier exploitation stuff from the 70s like kikuchi's actually all over that stuff and you can hear him like immediately like it's just like as soon as i hear uh, kikuchi music I, I can recognize it um and it's it's awesome <laughs> i know what you mean there joey because some, sometimes i'll dig into like older tokusatsu like, mm -hmm. like sentai stuff and like some sometimes I, I think i'm watching like through sun vulcan right now and i keep forgetting like oh i think i think kikuchi did the score for that and it's like oh yeah it shows uh, I, I, lo I love finding him in old tokusatsu stuff that's always fun so in terms of like how maybe our feelings of the series like changed uh, over time is like, what are our thoughts on the shifts in tone and Toriyama's writing style uh, evolving through the various phases of the manga? Like each time he changed editors, uh, even more specifically. I can't really say I'm super familiar with with, with the correlation between the shifts and shifts in the story and like compared to his like who who's editing the manga at that time other than i think i'm pretty sure whoever was editing him at the time during the boo saga probably probably didn't have as much to say considering uh it, it really it really feels like whoever was helping toriyama edit at the time just kind of let him did whatever he wanted yeah that was the case i think they were a newer editor and they didn't have as much control <laughs> and i actually like that like i think that I think artists do only benefit from like good editorial skills, but I also like seeing an artist completely on their own creating kind of a sort of purity of art. And so that's what I like about Boo is it's it's pretty out of control and it's all over the place, but like you really get this pure dose of Toriyama. <laughs> and Which is something yeah. we haven't seen for a while because the editor just before that the entire cell arc was just his editor saying, "This sucks. This sucks. This sucks. This sucks." Rather, whether well, his former editor. Well, so, and, and then his um, wasn't it his well, newer editor? Well, Kondo but... didn't like uh, imperfect cells design, he, especially semi-perfect spell. He thought he looked ugly. So, Yu Kondo did hasten the speed up to getting perfect cell, yeah. but Torishima was the one who was like. 90 and 20 these old guys in this fat clan what are you doing and then he was like what teenagers what are you doing mm -hmm. oh not teenagers 
Toroshima was Toriyama's editor on Dr. Slump and Dragon Ball through the 23rd Budokai. Oh. So, you know, Toroshima is, was a guiding force for Toriyama. So I could totally buy that, you know, hearing his criticisms would inspire him to be like, oh, maybe I should listen to him and make a change to my story. He shouldn't have. I loved the energy absorbing fights. But... You know, I feel like Toriyama really did bring out his best work under Torishima specifically. Like, the pre-Z Dragon Ball stuff and Dr. Slump. Like, Torishima really knew how to help Toriyama, like, use his creative talents effectively, but also, you know, keep the story focused and uh, always engaging and interesting. I mean, I so I think, like, the pairing of those two was really what allowed Dr. Slump and early Dragon Ball to be as uh, successful in terms of like how they, it was executed in terms of storytelling and humor and ideas. Yeah. It also gave us the best villains. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean <laughs> in Dr. Slump and in Dragon Ball. <laughs> yeah. Mashirito and Piccolo. So we gotta thank him for that too. <laughs> God, bless God, God bless this man. <laughs> I um, I, I, I personally can, um, after reading through the cell arc again, there, it seems to me like there is a very large shift and Toriyama becomes a bit more unfocused in trying to deal with having a new editor. I, I, I know it's mostly just Torishima's, um, at, um, writing in and the new editor giving him some various pointers, but it feels very, uh, it, um, the, the whole cell arc feels very, very different from what Toriyama would seems to have wanted to do because he just kept having to change it based on his editor's whims. And was was there any editorial interference during the boo arc? Because I, there, there, there has to be some reason why it just kept, it it switched away from slice of life to boo. I attributed to that being Toriyama got bored of, of bored of what he was writing. Yeah. I kind of get the idea that Toriyama's the kind of guy who's like, eh, I'm bored. Like, I mean, other writers would probably be like, okay, before I can go to this next thing, I probably have to have a proper build-up to it. I can see Toriyama being just the kind of guy of like, okay, I'm, I tried Slice of Life, I don't like it. I'm trying to get Boo in here. <laughs> and, and, and it just, and by the time the Boo arc happened, he probably, as you guys said, had very little editorial interference. So, like, maybe, maybe another editor might have been like, no. No, dude, you have to build up to Boo. What's wrong with you? You can't just get bored and shift gears like that. But no, a newer editor would be all like, but Dra- it's a Dragon Ball's bringing money. Uh, I'm too busy counting this money. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> do it. <laughs> do it. Do it. I, I don't care. <laughs> Plus, I mean, I can imagine so many people, like, growing up on Dragon Ball, any new editor would be, like, in Starstruck, just staring at Toriyama, like, so what do you think? Uh, uh, uh. Uh, no, I'm asking you what you think of this. Do you think I should go with it? I am yeah, Goku. Okay. I got it. <laughs> Actually, on the note of, like, uh, of cohesion, um, Jaco the Galactic Patrolman seems like something that would have been written under Torishima. As in, it's a very, it's, it's, um, as in, it meanders a bit, but it's very, very clear as in what it wants to do. It's a very, very clear arc and progression of the characters, which is something that doesn't really happen after Torishima. Like, everything kind of bounces around and concepts are thrown willy-nilly, but that might also be because it was a miniseries and it was Toriyama just wanting to do... He just, he just wanted to write Jocko. Yeah. 
And gosh darn it, I just well, I also love I also love Jocko. Yeah, Jocko's great. I love Jocko so much. I need to mm-hmm. Jocko. If you if you haven't read it, go read it. It's wonderful, and also I really really love the interpretation of the Dragon World as everybody just walks around in various costumes just all day every day. There's a little there's a little mobster on the street. There's a there's a there's a Roman legionnaire right over there, and there's a there's there's a there's a twenties gangster just going going to an ATM. It's just what it is. That's the Dragon World. Yeah. Dormian really does shine with his short story, short manga in particular, nowadays. But uh, we are finally down to the last question from EK, which is basically, what do we feel are like the strong points of the series, just generally? And so I think very succinctly, let's just say, uh, what we feel the series excels at. For me, it is definitely great characterization, like instantly recognizable, iconic, easy to understand and enjoy characters, and really expertly done action, uh, choreography, and drawn, and like uh, pacing. And, uh, yeah, just a good sense of humor and adventure. So I think those are, like, the strengths of Dragon Ball and uh, are a huge part of, like, its enduring appeal. It's just Toriyama's excellent execution of all those elements, even in the more flawed story parts. I think it's poop on a stick. Yeah, he has a great sense of timing as far as, like, comedy, action, uh, all that stuff. Um, even though we complained a bit about him breezing past some story points we would have, like, seen fleshed out, like... Any scenes that he does draw, like the timing, the way that the characters interact with each other and stuff is all expertly done. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think Dragon Ball is an easy read because the characterization is so good. And yeah, his fight choreography, like, I know I've seen, I I think it was maybe Colton talking about on Twitter. And I was like, I didn't get it until I saw reading it, but like, now, yeah, I, I definitely... Toriyama knows how to set up a page and use the medium very effectively, and even very in ways that i've not seen many other manga could do so no yeah like i i constantly lately i've been bringing up how um uh in terms of like jump manga specifically like uh i i can't i really can't think of too many other series i've i've read from jump in particular where i really feel like oh well this this reminds me of how like toriyama sets uh you know does his stuff like i feel like in terms of just sequential art and storytelling i feel like chainsaw man uh in particular has probably come the closest to that yeah (laughs) oh yeah that's interesting ever since i heard maxi say that on one of our last (laughs) podcasts i I can't i can't help but like agree with him Mm mm-hmm but yeah, I think in spite of Dragon Ball's uh, flaws, like it holds up because like it's so superbly well drawn and well timed, and just like a great action comic that is pretty unrivaled, at least in the like shonen uh, manga space, in terms of what Toriyama like executes. But there, we're finally done with Dr. Insatsu Ken's questions, and I will launch some Twitter questions. And first, we got a question about Joey's daily Dragon Ball quest, yeah. uh, project <laughs> from Maxi, our good friend Maxi. Yeah, speaking of Maxi. Yeah, and Maxi wants to know, like, which illustrations were the most fun, which Joey feels the most attached to. And, yeah. Yeah, um, you know, with that project, I tried to interpret the characters in my style somewhat but i was always looking at toriyama's art while i was doing it so it was fun to like study his work i'd say i personally just love drawing animals and and sort of cartoon animal type people and stuff like that so 
Uh, some that I looked fondly back on are actually like um, I was really happy with how Karin turned out, and um, I don't remember his rank, but Yellow, the red ribbon um, character, that's the tiger. Um, yeah, I love yeah, I I really was happy with him, and and the the two goons, uh, even though they're not animal people, the two goons on the the rabbit gang. Um, I was proud of those guys. I really liked drawing them, and and those two in particular. When I posted them, I had a few people reach out to me and say, like, you know, I haven't actually read Dragon Ball, but these characters look interesting. I, I want to check it out. And so those are some that I remember fondly. These are cool. I really like yeah. your style. Gosh darn. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're scrolling through them right. Yeah, now. and some of the like later Mighty stuff, mask. like um, you know, Frieza was really tricky, but it was like a, he was a good challenge and. And similar with some of the other uh, kind of more like muscly characters. Oh, you know who was really fun was the Ginyu Squad because um, I decided to t- draw them each in their individual pose and then compile that together to make its own illustration later. Oh, that's cool. Um, and so that was really fun to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, you're for the Daily Dragon Ball images so much. <laughs> animal people. Oh, by, by the way, the animal people is just a result of a drug fad. You see, <laughs> I, said, it's a, it's a, I it's saw a, that. It, I hate that so much. What What do you mean in a world where the dinosaurs are around because an uh, eight year old went back in time and just played catch with a meteor? That animal people don't exist because they're just drug addicts. That's, that's it. That's, that's that's what it is. Oh, so stupid. Um, but anyway, I was going to say that. <laughs> I was going to say if if we haven't already like linked it already, we'll, we'll definitely leave a link for uh, for Joey's uh, daily Dragon Ball illustrations because they really are just uh, pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, yeah, yeah, I especially love all the drawings you did of the creature characters, like the more monster-like characters, animal-like characters. Those, those are always fun. I love seeing <laughs> them in your style, especially. Awesome. Everyone's really, really fun. This this looks a, they they look a little bit like how they would have been drawn in Broly. Mm. Yeah, I like Toriyama's more kind of um, more modern, simpler style that uh, he's been doing lately. And it's been interesting to see that reinterpreted then through the anime staff who have to kind of bulk characters up a bit and, and make them function for animation. Mm-hmm. All right. But uh, what's the next question? Next, Maxi asks what our favorite minor tournament competitor is. And I don't know if he counts as, I don't know how minor you'd consider him, but like I hope Volvas love Nam. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would consider him minor. Uh, I lo- thought he had a good motivation and like story to him, and he had a good fight with Goku. I liked like his technique of like he ha- has like this flying cross chop that really gave Goku a run for his money. Like, and I like uh, just the resolution of like, oh, I didn't know that water was free in the city. I could just take it all back <laughs> to the castle. But that was really good too. Yeah, and I like how he helps out uh, Kame Sanin and and gives him a little bit of a function outside of the. Uh, fight itself too which is fun my favorite i think is the boxer guy because i really wanted uh, to put s- yeah put but but like <laughs> just, i mean i mean he was totally disappointing but i was just so excited to see somebody with a um with, with a with a boxing style against martial artists just the the brutal and the artful dancing and weaving i thought it could have been so interesting to see this sort of thing i mean never then goku beats him with I mean, one punch. I, yeah beats him with one punch but it was so cool for five seconds <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I love Grandpa Gohan. Uh, you know, uh, oh, yeah. and he he. I love that design, and that's the I think the first time we see like a dead character with a halo. And I love the little the cute mask that he wears, and uh, and then the contrast to that him sort of like giving Goku quite a challenge in the fight, and then the kind of emotional. Uh, resonance that comes from him revealing his identity and stuff i just i really really love when he shows up in the manga Mm -hmm. um i think for me nom's probably my favorite but if i had to pick like a second uh my other one would probably have to be uh, Man Wolf. Oh, yes. yeah. yeah. That's, that's, my, that's my number one. That's my number one. <laughs> Just because I, I love the I love the gag fights more than I mean like I like I like the ones where, you know, they're seriously going at it, but the gag fights just show off Tor- Toriyama's sense of humor. I just not so much that they use Krillin's head as like a to turn him back, but the fact that he looked hotter as a man, a wolf, a man as the wolf than the dude. I just love that punchline. That that punchline will always make me laugh. He should take that beast drug again to get his old wolf body back. Also, I'm changing my favorite fight. My favorite fight is Apu and Puar versus the vampire oh, that's guy so good. Yeah. because uh, that, that's the the, the T posing. They win by team. <laughs> Two non-combatant <laughs> characters actually winning a fight. It's so good. Like, what are you? What are you doing? Their we're skills cru- in unique we're ways. crucifixes. <laughs> <laughs> that that, that, that is pretty so funny. Much. Yeah, they're, they're so good. Next, we have a question from Marion, who asks: uh, Is there a particular scene we love because it was paneled well? Marion's particularly fond of uh, when Gohan turned into an ape in the Cyan arc. And uh, for me, my answer is a sequence that really stuck out to me in the manga is Piccolo's sacrifice in the Cyan arc. Like, when Toriyama style, where it like, kind of has like this flashy effect to his line work, where it's like he's really indicating like the the light emanating from Nappa's blast and how that's like affecting the character. Like, that, that kind of shading that he does there is very striking but also like the paneling of that sequence of like Piccolo and Kuro and Gohan reacting to Nappa like uh, attacking Gohan with the blast and then Piccolo like getting in the way of the blast and then Kuro, the panel like showing Kuro and react in surprise that Piccolo has got in the way uh, uh, to protect Gohan from Nappa's blast is also really uh, stand out to me is just like a small moment, but like a a notable moment of like like Kurin is noticing to his surprise. Oh, Piccolo is sacrificing himself to protect Gohan. Like that's just a small thing that it really adds so much to me. But also, of course, the the iconic panel of like Piccolo like arm stretched out in front of Gohan and just screaming as the blast is like hitting him, and just the line work there, uh, just the uh, way it looks there, like it leaves such an impact to me and the anime did a great job kind of recreating it but like in the it's just so striking in the original manga that it's definitely like a sequence that immediately comes to mind i guess mine would have to just be and this is like iconic in both anime and manga is when goku kid goku returns to fight king piccolo that like one panel of him like that look he has in his eyes and everything like that is I, i just that is an iconic panel and moment in the anime and even though it's not like, oh, brilliantly, you know, has a bunch of lead up to it, it's just, I feel like the death moment, like the reason, just the way that um the pages up until that build up to this one page. I, I love it when they do, when it's not a, rather than having a bunch of little panels, it's one big panel, which you don't see too much of nowadays, but 
Like, yeah, that scene has always stuck to me, just the way that Goku's drawn. Like, you've never seen... You see Goku with the, you know, ex- serious expression from time to time, but then that one, you can see... It, it very much shows he's not playing around. Mm-hmm. He's here to end this today. <laughs> yeah, that's a really cool, iconic panel to me. Like, I think that gives Goku's glare when yes. he can Super Saiyan a run for his money, for sure. Yeah, you know, I, I'm having trouble think of thinking of a specific sequence that I really love, the kind of, like, panel-to-panel transitions and stuff. But, like, a thing that this does make me think of is uh, something I noticed when I was rereading it this time is that Toriyama repeatedly at the beginning was kept going back to this thing where he would draw a character jumping through the air and he'd draw them like four or five times in the same panel, like kind of flipping around and you get this arc of them. And you can see like a thing that I like about that is it's it's interesting. It's playing with the format and it, it kind of highlights uh, another thing that I love about the beginning of the series is that you really feel like Toriyama's uh, playing around and doing things that he thinks is fun. Um, and so I, that was something that kind of, I knew that he'd done that like maybe once or twice, but I, it really was like several times, uh, that he does that throughout the first few arcs. Yeah. Um, and then it culminates with, uh, Kuririn and, uh, Goku flipping in at the exact same time. Yeah. And it's really cute. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite panel sequence is, is, this is totally dumb, but my favorite panel sequence is, uh, Goku's fight against, um, against Yamcha. Because it feels very, um, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, uh, Tezuka Osamu. Um, Toriyama was very, very inspired by him. And I love the way that he translates all of the, um, all of the gag fighting and the, um, and the movie-esque, the, to the film-esque everything into the fight. The breaking of the, um, the breaking yeah, of the breaking panels. Of the panel just, um, the, uh, the way, the way Yamcha moves like a wolf. All the panel transitions and all the gags are super funny to me. And I just love it when artists, use that kind of technique to break the fourth wall and the two best i've ever seen are tezuka and toriyama so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they're 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 good boys I, I think that um one of the strengths that dragon ball actually has is uh toriyama's lightheartedness with the martial art movements because he tries to make them move very smoothly and it's very fun as opposed to the very brutal action of stuff like uh um jojo yeah yeah, uh, I guess just just in terms of mine, I was kind of scrolling through my uh, old thread here, and uh, uh, I th- I think just in general, I really like a lot of the jokes in uh, in the Boo arc, just because of like uh, how how many how many panels it takes for Toriyama to it, it's just kind of it's just kind of interesting for me to see like how many panels Toriyama could fit in one page at this point. <laughs> um, but 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 I th- I think one of my favorite like really quick jokes is when. Uh, Boo, Boo makes his house, and he's kind of showing the reader around, I guess. And um, <laughs> this is where Boo sleeps. I was, I was, I was actually going to point to that one where Boo basically takes a five second nap, and then he's off to kill again. That's such a great, like, quick joke. <laughs> uh. Yeah, so yeah, you know, has so many great sequences, both like the serious dramatic ones and also the comedic. Yeah. But uh, Miriam's next question is: Do we ever listen to the anime OST while reading the manga? And personally, I definitely did. I Same definitely here, listened yeah. to the Kikuchi score, the even the Yamamoto score, and uh, even I tried to listen also and see how it would go with the Faulkner score and. 
again, it kind of was like white noise. Like it just, it just droned out that I ended up tuning it out <laughs> as I continued to read. It, more than often than not, it did not fit what I was reading. But yeah, Kikuchi, reading Dragon Ball, listening to Kikuchi, pretty good. Yeah, I was listening to the Kikuchi score and the Path to Power score. And since I hadn't watched the anime pretty much at all, I kind of had to piece together when what was going, uh, what each theme was supposed to be, and that was kind of fun. Um, <laughs> the Path to Power score is done by somebody else, and I really like a lot of it. I, I especially like Hachan's themes. <laughs> Hachan's best boy. It's it's it feels like it feels very Boris Karloff's Frankenstein. Mm. Which that's the it's it's cool. Just the slow lumbering theme is really fun, and I like having it for heavy characters in Dragon Ball. Uh, I I I just had a playlist, just which is basically just a combination of Kikuchi's score, uh, basically all the openings and endings from like you know the original Dragon Ball anime, plus like Super. Uh, maybe one or two GT themes. Uh, a lot of the image songs I, I really like listening to. Like from all the like uh, image song collections and stuff, I have a lot of those, and uh, yeah, I think I think that about covers that. How about you guys, Joey? Is like, did you listen to uh, Dragon Ball OST while reading manga? I I didn't. I didn't either. <laughs> I I love the Kikuchi score. I have I have several playlists of just kind of instrumental and some soundtrack music, but. Um, I haven't, um, as much as I love the Kikuchi stuff, I don't actually have any uh, MP3s of that. Um, I suppose I could have pulled it up on streaming or something, but didn't didn't occur to me. That's a good idea, though. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I typically don't listen to soundtracks of, like, even when there's, I'm reading in a manga adaption or the manga original of an anime or something, I usually don't listen to the soundtracks. I like that having a dissonance of listening to things other than the soundtracks for what I'm reading for, so, like... That's fair. I... I actually, and I, and like Joey, I don't have any, actually have any Dragon Ball soundtracks, so, I mean, I didn't really get to say much when we talked about it before, and I'll be really, really concise, but I don't remember most of the Faulkner <laughs> soundtrack, <laughs> so, but again, that's showing my age. Uh, you know, that's, that's, that's totally fine. <laughs> I mean, that's showing my age. Again, I only watched Dragon Ball the one time millions of years ago, <laughs> so I remember the Cell theme, but I guess as everybody pointed out, that one is kind of standout. But, and the Kikuchi soundtrack, I like a lot of it. I remember just, I don't remember, like, it was probably the part with, I don't remember the little, the little Indian boy's name. Oh, I hate saying that. But. Apu? Oh, uh, Upa? No, no, Upa. Upa. No, Upa. 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 Yeah. Call Apu, Apu is a completely different character. <laughs> Not the same kind of Indian at all. <laughs> Native, Amer- Na- Na- Native American, I'm really sorry and his name was Upan Bora yeah Upan there we go yeah, yeah I remember because I was, I was saying I remember he has the same name as a Pokemon but I couldn't remember which one <laughs> <laughs> but um well or well not in English it's Upan in English Upa in Japanese but yeah I remember that they had this one theme that it was like a really slow theme that was but the Jews are playing yes playing. yes and I, and I remember at first when I first watched it I really hated it <laughs> but then like when I kept when I watched Dragon Ball the subsequent times I was like I really love how peaceful this theme is <laughs> especially when it's like you know and they play I mean they play it several times sorry and sometimes it works and sometimes it's like a little off but I did like the dissonance of like when his dad died they were playing it <laughs> and it, it was like it, it was a really interesting kind of like Okay, this is this really sad moment. They're playing this really peaceful theme 
where I feel like... Yeah, it's like a good contrast. It, like, recontextualizes the team into being something more somber. Yes, and and that song I remember from the Kikuchi soundtrack. But again, I haven't seen... Honestly, I've never seen Z's subbed. (laughs) So I've never heard the original music. All I heard is Falconer, and again, I've forgotten 95% of it, so... Also, it's mandatory that when you get to the Dr. Slump chapter, you've got to listen to the Dr. Slump soundtrack. It's oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Yes, it's very, very important. I mean, a lot of it isn't the best, but but YY World is amazing. Oh, yeah. Uh, I guess one other musical moment I'll mention is that I definitely did play uh, Hinotori? No, what's the name of the... Uh, yeah, Umeno. Yeah, the go the uh, one that plays in Go on Turn Super Monkeys. Saiyan too. I definitely did play that song when I got to that in the manga, Good. and uh, I also did play the Toku Sentai team in the Ginyu Forest. Right? <laughs> like they played like some of those uh, insert songs when I could when Same. I got into the manga. <laughs> but now we'll move on to a question from Eric Schuster, who asked, uh, "What are our favorite action uh, fight set pieces in Dragon Ball?" Uh, which is territory we did cover a little bit earlier. I'll reiterate that I think that Goku or Sujita, specifically like the early part of that fight where it like is them trading blows and then going into the beam struggle are, is like the like standout a- action paneling and uh, drawings for me, for sure. Like the energy in that really, really comes through. I like the way it bounces around, um, and there's so many different angles that you see the landscape from and the characters from. Yeah. I, I think I might have brought it up on the show, but uh, uh, I really like when Goku first attacks uh, Demon King Piccolo before he makes his wish, where he, he basically makes his first attack, he punches Piccolo, and then kicks him, and then he comes back for more, and Piccolo tries to grab him, but then Goku uses his tail to basically like swing under his arm and then to punch him in the face. Uh, but then like, you know, Piccolo basically counters that and hits Goku. And then Goku basically bounces back ass first into Piccolo and kicks him. <laughs> uh, I, I th- That sequence in particular really, uh, really stood out to me. I was just kind of like, wow, this is like it was it was just, just so easy to read and it was just exciting to read overall. So. Uh, what about you, Joey or Bomber? I would say definitely my favorite scene was from the Saiyan arc, where um, uh, where Raditz first showed up, because that was actually my first... So, I ended up getting Dragon Ball Z from... That's the best title page. I actually read a little bit of the manga, so I lied. I read a little bit of the manga, because at one point, Amazon Japan had it on sale, so I just bought... Like, not sale, they were letting you read it for free, so I got, like, a volume from that, and that was when Raditz first showed up. And I remember just being struck by how the paneling was and how, like, a lot of the fighting ended up, just, like, Goku and um, Piccolo taking on Raditz and how, like, there was just several pages of just, you no, know, with, with just, like, very little dialogue and it's just them trading blows. And this is, began, this is before, like, um, beams and stuff were big, you know, became the way to fight in the series. But I just like, I just like the way that that, you know, each page had like, I guess it's what it's what you guys mentioned earlier, which is that Toriyama treated even at the beginning he treated it like you know martial arts fight. There was not a lot of weight on each page. Like each panel, f- like was very quick, very succinct. Okay, this guy's punching this guy. We're going to the next. There wasn't a page where it was like one guy preparing his bat, his like attack for like several panels and then releasing it. It was just very 
blow by blow, blow by blow, and I remember that really stuck with me. I, I, I really love the Jackie Chan versus Krillin fight where they have to slow it down and explain to the audience <laughs> what they all did and stuff. That's, That's one so of good. my favorite gags. I also really love when Boo splits into two and it's the fat Boo and the super skinny Boo and they're and they're fighting each other because you get a little bit of uh, early uh, examples of the, the, the big fat Boo being uh, a good guy, which is very exciting because I like him. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's yeah so many good fights. I really love the paneling and the near the end of the Boo arc where um just anything with Kid Boo versus uh versus Boo I um I love how cartoony and silly um Boo's uh, Kid Boo's actions are because mm. he, he he's a he's a big old rubber man he he's he's elongating himself he's ex- um he he's contracting it, he's treating the fight as a big game which I find really really cool and interesting and it, it, it does a very good job of switching back between the characters, and I think that that's fun. But my favorite paneling and um and kinetic energy is always in the... It's always in the first few Dragon Ball arcs. That's that's my thing. I like watching everybody's punches land. That's fun <laughs> to me. I like when um, the great Uzaru is destroying Pilaf's castle and, uh, and Yamcha cutting off the tail. That's awesome. Any of the, any of the Budokais just have really really cool and diverse fighting stances and styles shown off and i'm i'm hoping that the newer anime is going uh, after broly is going to bring that sort of thing back because they really emphasized it in broly and uh the uh, toriyama's strength was always the kinetic action and that wasn't really translated over to super because super just kind of feels very weird <laughs> i i like it when my dragon ball fights have have weight and martial arts that's my thing our final question comes from our good friend Wensleydale Cheddar, who asked us a fun one. If we were reincarnated in the Dragon Ball world in the bodies of already existing characters, which characters would we reincarnate into and what would we do differently in each subsequent arc? And uh, even more specifically, what would each of us do if we were reincarnated as a Zulong? Well, can I, can, I just, can I just say, first off, I wouldn't want to be reincarnated as Zulong. I don't think any of us want to. <laughs> well, you could be reincarnated as Oolong and then put him on the right path. You know? Yeah, you know, yeah, you could okay, use fair. his transformation powers for good and not for sexual assault. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would, if I was going to become Oolong, I would use my transformation powers in general. You've got to stop using them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's also true, yeah. It'd be really interesting to see what you could do, um, how you could contribute to each fight with um, as a weapon, as a um, as a set piece, just having transformations would be interesting and fun, I think. <laughs> I I would just reincarnate myself as Yajirobe. That way I have the least to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's similar. I was thinking Karin, so I could just hang out up in the... I'm not a fighter. I want to stay out of the action. <laughs> Looks like you and me are going to be hanging out a lot, Joey. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> Aww. And they're going to get married. <laughs> <laughs> we'll eat a lot of beans together. That's for sure. Heck yeah. I want to be Launch. She's cool. Lunch is really cool. Yeah. She's she's awesome. I wanna I wanna be yellow hair lunch and I wanna fight I wanna eventually start fighting crime and I um and I would bring a lot of guns and bombs to every fight <laughs> and you'll know, mine the battlefield and uh do super awesome things and maybe maybe make a cool cool tech suit and become Iron Maiden. You wouldn't want to just keep fighting against the police? Well, yeah, you know what? The, the police are boring. 
I want to fight aliens and stuff. That's I think that I think that my martial arts. I, I would create my own martial arts style, incorporating weapons and bombs and stuff. And I wouldn't be allowed in any Badokai, but I'd use it and it'd be fun because I like I like I like seeing weapons incorporated with martial arts, and I think that'd be really really fun. Yeah, yeah, and I'd have awesome hair. And I have a cool Segway motorcycle thingy, and I have gonna have a lot of money. You could you, you could you could create your own tournament called the Bomb Budokai, <laughs> the Bombshell Budokai, <laughs> the, 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 the 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 best girl under the heavens. <laughs> Dude, I, I totally read that actually. I told- <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what about you, Bomber? I don't know. There are so many like, uh, uh, <laughs> uh like, I, who would you want to be? I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not a fighter either, but there are so many cool fighters. It's like, can I just be lazy and say I, I'd like to reincarnate Yamcha? Since we saw that win, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be awesome. Well, why, why, don't, why don't you be Mister Satan? That way, you could have Boo fight all your fights for you. This is true. <laughs> then you got to be in the public eye constantly. <laughs> oh, well. yeah, no, that's so. Totally <laughs> and then you have the, and then you, then you bald early because of the horrible stress of your masquerade. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm already balding, so I'm halfway there. <laughs> but. Uh, <Hey-o. laughs> But yeah, no, I, I, I guess, yeah, I'd probably be, like, either, like, actually, I want to be fat, boo. I'd be able to turn things into candy when they annoy me. That was, was going to be my second choice. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, I, I would want to be fat, boo. Just, like, I mean, I get to hang out with my burrow and his do- and my dog, and I have a house, and I can turn people into candy, and... And you got the admiration of a blind kid. Yeah. I actually I'm on the same line of thing as you, Bomber. I also want to be Boo, but instead of like turning people I don't like into candy and stuff, I actually want to use my powers to create food to uh, help people, uh, help the hungry. You know, turn a bunch of rocks or things <laughs> into candy or turn milk all the bad or, guys in the food. Yeah, <laughs> or you know, bad people in the food. Sure. Well, maybe not that actually. Maybe just to stick with creating food out of like inanimate things or whatever but yeah you know i I think boo could use his powers to really help other people out uh and i also boost other powers like just his real flexibility durability uh stretchiness like i like all that stuff too like boo boo has like the funnest powers but lum don't you want to become majin boo kira I don't know about that. Uh, if not Boo, uh, on a similar line, I think I would want to be Monster Carrot. Uh, again, instead of using my powers to uh, cause intimidation, I will use my powers to turn things into carrots to feed people. And also, yeah. everybody would love you at New Year's. Yeah. You make, you can, uh, I'm you're, a big mochi. Yeah, you just make mochi yeah. for everybody. Oh, Carrot-flavored mochi. <laughs> yeah. You know, living on the moon wouldn't be so bad if it didn't get blown up so much. <laughs> yeah, the poor dude. It really is a shame that Boss Rabbit probably is dead. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's too bad. What a, what a cool dude, though. He tried his best. You know what I just realized? The character I sh- I would want to reincarnate to. I want to reincarnate to uh, the Supreme Kai and actually know, having known the spot of Dragon Ball, I could actually, you know, help out in an actual way instead of being wrong about everything. Oh, I was going to say, why would you want to be Supreme Kai? He sucks. You no, know, exactly. I could be Supreme Kai and not suck. I could actually, you know, <laughs> know what's going on. And not be, not make stupid decisions or Portion. be completely un- ineffectual. 
Shin tried his best. <laughs> no, he didn't. Shin did not try his best. Supreme Kai is also one of the few characters that never die, so that's also very good. <laughs> I want to be Doctor Brief, so that way I'm just the I, I I just I just own a giant conglomerate tech company and a lot of very fancy speakers. Very and and a cat that magically disappears after the Cyan arc. Oh. Why did the cat go away? That was the best. I love when nobody here wants to fight. I don't want to fight, but I only want to fight low-level criminals because um, criminals are a superstitious and cowardly lot. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, more that nobody wants to be any of the lead characters, I guess, to put it it another way. We're all thinking, like, I mean, characters that are like, I mean, well, I guess me with Boo and me with Yamcha or something, but still. Like, not as nobody here was like, I want to be Goku or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think a lot of people want to get beat up that badly or worse dies multiple <laughs> times in your life. <laughs> but the Dragon Ball world is a fun place. So if you were to be reincarnated in there, I think it would be a lot of fun, provided you're as far away from the action as possible. <laughs> You'll die a few times, but that's fine. Yeah, actually, as far away from... I don't know. I mean, what's the point of you're not on Earth? But I guess if you know it's coming, you gotta get off of Earth before it blows off. Up then. Just call it Jocko. Just be like, hey, yeah. <laughs> oh, there we go. I want to be, I want to be Jocko. Oh, Jocko's yeah, so Jocko's cool. Fun. I need to read that. <laughs> You you do need to read it. It's it's required reading. Just just skip Dragon Ball minus and pretend that the Bardock special is canon. Um, but all right, I I think that's about it for our questions, though. Yeah, yeah. thank you guys for coming on again to talk another two hours <laughs> worth of Dragon Ball <laughs> questions with us. Yay. Like once again, uh, went long longer than we thought. But you know, I guess that's the Dragon Ball and the Monk of Mavericks way. <laughs> but, uh, we, we did okay. Yeah, this was shorter yeah. than. Uh, usual though this is actually reasonable two hours but yeah i mean again thank you guys sakaki joey vix for coming on and now let's uh plug your stuff and uh we'll wrap up the show and uh joey would you like to go first to let people know where to find you where to check out your comics uh yeah uh they can follow me on twitter at joey weiser or instagram joey weiser comics um and yeah take a look at my website tragic-planet.com to see um examples of my illustrations and comics and things like that um i do the i did the merman graphic novel series a five book series for oni press and i just had a brand new book last year come out called ghost hog uh, that i spoke previously on uh, manga mavericks about so take a listen to that uh, if you haven't um, and keep an eye out for Dragon Racer coming in the, the <laughs> probably next year, in the future sometime. Oh, and listen to Toho Yaro. I do a Japanese film club podcast with Alex Kazanis from the One Piece podcast and our friend Scott, um, and where we talk about uh, Japanese film from uh, all different decades, different studios and stuff. And um, we just did one uh, about uh, Goke, Body Snatcher from Hell, with Casey Minofsky article uh, that you may know from Twitter. And that was a really fun one to talk about. So, And I hosted that one. So give it a listen. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, thank you for thank you so much for coming on, Joey. And uh, all right. But uh, I guess next up, uh, Bomber, why don't you plug your stuff? Sure. I am at Kiro Von, K-I-I-R-O. Elian on Twitter. Um, 
I mostly, that one's my personal Twitter. I talk about all kinds of things there. But where the real fun is, is my Shonen Sunday Twitter, at WSS Talkback. And there's a blog, wsstalkback.blogspot.com, where I talk about our weekly Shonen Sunday, which is the magazine people only know for Miko Takahashi or Detective Conan. But I am trying... <laughs> And every, with every bit of my power, I mean, I need all of you to help me with a spirit bomb that we can get shown Sunday stuff notice. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I'm staying on topic, everybody. See, see? <laughs> but, yeah, right now, that, that's my, that's my big thing is, uh, and actually, I, I say Shonen Sunday, but we actually recently rebranded into, uh, first of all, now I'm no longer an I, I'm a we, and we've rebranded to ShogakuCon. So I'm trying to actually cover more ShogakuCon scenes and not just weekly sunday so so i any any shogaku con things that i can find i will talk about them there and everything and yeah so definitely give it a look see i've got some stuff planned with other people um also yeah i guess i could say that too if you're a guest writer and there's a shonen sunday series you've read and you're like i really want to see i really want to talk to this with more people i'm willing to write about it definitely hit me up i would love to hear about it i've tried my best to be both the person that covers Japanese news and domestic news as possible. <laughs> so, definitely people who are reading Viz releases, any releases of Shonen Sunday stuff that you have that are interesting, I, I'm more than happy to hear you out and maybe I can post so we can work together or something. Well, Vix, where can people find you? I don't really do anything. I, I, I've, always, I've always said that I really should do something related to media. I should probably just start writing down things about the manga that I read. But uh, I just kind of have a Twitter. Just at Vixie the Valiant. Uh, Bonehead Braxton. That's me. I'm cool. I don't do anything with my life. I teach children. That's that's my day job. That's a pretty important thing. It's a very important thing. I teach the children all about the mangas and the <laughs> animes. They know me as the anime teacher, and they call me uh, they call me Naruto because they know it makes me mad. <laughs> and I'm like, Naruto's not a good series! And they're like, hey, Naruto, stop! <laughs> Naruto, what's going on? <laughs> That's, uh, that's pretty amazing right there. Yeah, um, I've got and and um, I'm in this ongoing arguments about um, about who the best character is in uh, My Hero Academia is with some fourth grader because I think it's Araka, and they're like, "No, it's Bakugo." And I'm like, "Araka's so much cooler." You know what? I have to agree with the kids on this one. Bakugo, more no! developed character, <laughs> but she's so good. All right, well, this is going to be my last episode of Manga Mavericks. Um, Good oh, wow. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding. I like that character. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, th- thank you guys so much for coming on and talking more Dragon Ball with us. And uh, I think Lum and I are just going to go ahead and take care of uh, wrapping up the rest of the episodes ourselves. If you're ready, Lum. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, thank you, everybody, so much for sending in your Dragon Ball questions and. And uh, we enjoyed answering them, um, but uh, we're, we're, we're not quite done just yet. Because of some time constraints we had during the initial recording, we did have to skip over at least one question, and we figured we'd uh, kind of make it up to our good friend, uh, Maxi the Bee, otherwise known as uh, Maxi Bernard, our, our good friend and Shonen Jump expert, who who was nice enough to send us a question, but... Yeah, yeah. we really yamshed Maxi, left him behind. <laughs> Oh, that's the worst thing you could possibly do to a friend. <laughs> now, now I feel even worse than I did before somehow. Um, 
but yeah, uh, why don't why don't we just answer Maxie's question and uh, what what is that, Lum? Maxie asks us on a scale from little salami to the humongous meals of Goku himself. What's the most you've eaten in one sitting? Oh boy, this might be embarrassing. Um, geez, you know, like I can't think of like a particular time. Well, I don't know. So I I, I guess in general, like sometimes when I go out to like a new restaurant or like a restaurant that's new to me uh some sometimes like i can't help myself i i just i like uh, what's a what's a one time in particular um uh before before all this stuff happened and we we could actually go out to restaurants um kind of depressing i know but uh we went out for japanese barbecue at uh at a at a place around uh, around where I live, um, I can't even remember the restaurant name off the top of my head, but it was it was pretty good. It was one of those places where like the the chefs actually like make the food in front of you and stuff, and they kind of like put on a little show. It was pretty fun. Uh, we did it for a friend's birthday party. I remember eating a lot there. Um, a lot of fried rice was eaten. Uh, a lot of barbecued meat was eaten, and it was. Probably, probably, probably one of the best restaurant experiences before the pandemic I had, honestly. Wow. Um, but, uh, I mean, yeah, like, I don't know, like, it, but between that and, like, sometimes I'll have, I'll have nights where it's like, you know, hey, it's a Friday night, I want to order a whole large pizza, and sometimes I will eat that whole large pizza and feel terrible oh, about wow. myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also, man, I mean, you know, that that was before I lived with roommates, so I'm 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 like contractually obligated to share my pizza. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, no. What about you, Love? This is kind of a hard question to answer. I can't recall like a single instance where I ate like so much I was stuffed. I think generally there are a lot of places where if I go to, I will. Definitely eat my fill. Some of my favorite restaurants just locally include a Chinese restaurant called Tea House that I always eat a ton of there because the food is very good. My One of my favorite Indian restaurants, India Palace, I generally eat a ton of there. Uh, but like a ridiculous amount on a Sun Goku scale where it's like just bowl after bowl I'm devouring. That's kind of hard i don't know if i really do that especially these days i think in general some of my portion control has gone down since when i was a kid i'm much more watchful of that now mm-hmm. but when i was a kid i would eat like three four pieces of pizza now i hard limit at two so so you're a lot know. better than i am <laughs> i try my best at the very least I mean, look, I just want to put it out there. This is not a thing I, like, do every Friday night. I'm just saying, that just so every once in a while, I'm just, you know, I'll just be in the mood for pizza, and I don't know, sometimes I, uh, again, I, I, I don't do it as much, again, now that I live with roommates, but back before I, back before I lived with my roommates, I, I had no problem just downing a whole pizza, because what was my life at that point, anyway, um, Though sometimes, um, I mean, I mean, nowadays the most I gorge on myself would be where, um, uh, because we 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 also live near a good like a really good like Thai restaurant, uh, just about a mile away, and sometimes I'll get like a nice uh chicken cashew stir fry with some fried rice and uh some uh, uh some mu ping gyoza and uh, crab rangoons. 
Uh, really, I mostly splurge on like a lot of the sides, but oh boy, that's uh, I just I just recently gorged on some ta- uh, on some uh, on some Thai food just a couple weeks back, and uh, I think that was one of the best lunches I ever had. <laughs> it was Ooh. so good. Um, yeah, I'm 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 really lucky in that sense, not to brag too much to live to a really good uh, live next to a really good Thai restaurant, but uh, yeah, food is good. Um, I guess that's all all we can say. In terms of experiences where I think I've eaten more than I should, definitely whenever we throw our famous wee parties over here, <laughs> we definitely have a lot of junk food. We have a lot of pizza. And while I don't feel like I stuff myself, I definitely do indulge a lot in a lot of the food that we have, like all the cookies and the sodas and all that. So it's definitely like a cheat day in terms of eating so much unhealthy foods. I mean, look, you know, like it's it's portion control is good. I'm not saying that, but I also do think, hey, you know, there, there are some days where I think it's okay to indulge ourselves every once in a while. You know, I don't think that's necessarily always a bad thing, personally speaking. Hmm. I would agree. But I uh, mean. Okay. So long as you balance what you eat and, you know, healthy exercise, like eat as much as you're going to be extending. I mean, reason Goku can eat so much is that, well, for one thing, I'm sure his metabolism is a whole lot different as a scion, but also he's exercising, he's fighting, he's active, so he needs the energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, G- Goku's metabolism is probably God level at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so he probably doesn't have anything to worry about, um, but no, yeah, I mean that that is a good point. As long as long as you as long as you put in a little exercise, at least you know it's uh, just to kind of balance things out. You know, it's all good. But yeah, I I think that hopefully answers Maxie's question about my embarrassing eating habits. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, again, th- thanks Maxie for sending that in, and once again, thank you to everybody who uh, sent us sent us in some questions. Uh, I always enjoy doing these uh, Q and A podcast and. Uh, Hopefully we'll do another one soon. But uh, for now, I think, uh, Lum, I think you had some community shout outs you wanted to uh, shout out, for lack of a better word. We exhausted a lot of our Dragon Ball specific shout outs on our last episode. Oh, boy, but did there we. are definitely some other cool stuff that I've seen around that are not related to Dragon Ball specifically, but are in the line of kind of what we did here with this podcast in terms of retrospectives of classic series. First, I'd like to shout out Matt Wiss's recent video on Tagashi's trans characters, which was a really great piece looking at the history of Tagashi's exploration and inclusion of queer characters in his works, and also how that representation has improved and Tagashi's understanding of queer characters has improved all through the course of his works, from Yu Yu Hakusho to Level East to Hunter Hunter. It's a really fantastic video and probably the best on this subject that I have watched and highly, highly recommend it. And related to uh, Yu Yu Hakusho retrospectives, the manga machinations crew is doing the long-awaited reads through of Yu Yu Hakusho, which I've been really enjoying. 
They're about a third of the way into the series now, and it's very fun to kind of hear their thoughts on it and actually learn some things because Takazio, of course, brings in his knowledge as someone who reads the Japanese version and then compares it with the English version and has also never seen the English dub before. So it's really interesting to get his thoughts on like how the translations differ in the his version and the dub. So it's really, really fun in that way. Yeah, I, I've been listening to those actually, and uh, I, I think they're like two episodes into that. Probably, uh, well, no, actually, no, because I think they're taking a break. Well, they're two episodes in. They did two podcasts. They're six volumes in. Yeah, uh, and then they'll probably resume after their paranoia agent that they have on the docket as their next episode at the time of this recording. But actually, speaking of paranoia agent. I want to shout out the Deep End's recent episode on Paranoia Agent, which was a ton of fun. They had Alec Robbins on, creator of Mr. Boop, which is a really fantastic webcomic that I've been really enjoying. But yeah, they discuss Paranoia Agent, which is very timely considering, you know, Funimation Lightning rescued it earlier this year and it's airing on Toonami. And they actually exposed some criticisms of the show that I found really interesting as someone who really likes it. But I think they do a great retrospective and analysis of it. And in general, I wanted to shout out Deep End because, like, I love their analysis of Adult Swim shows. And it's always been incredibly entertaining to listen to them. So it was been taking a while for them to do another anime episode for me to shout them out in the community shoutouts on the show. But, yeah, definitely check out that Paranoia Agent, their previous anime episodes. And generally, you know, if you love Adult Swim shows, if you love Adult focused animation definitely listen to them it's fantastic conversations oh yeah um not particularly anime related but they even did an episode on uh flitstones on the rocks yeah that's their most recent episode i had actually not seen that movie until they did their podcast on it so i checked the movie out before listening to the episode and very very interesting film definitely oh yeah i would like to see i guess more flintstones uh, projects return to kind of an adult oriented storytelling but yeah really cool that they cover you know again adult focused animation mostly on adult swim but sometimes they step a little bit outside but um, in terms of other you know great creators doing retrospectives on networks i also finally have the chance to shout out knickknacks which is another one of my favorite video series where the creator, Pop Arena, they goes through every show that has ever aired on Nickelodeon Chronological History and do a retrospective on their place in television history and on Nickelodeon specifically. And one of the most recent episodes was on the Mysterious Cities of Gold, perhaps and probably the most famous anime to have ever aired on Nickelodeon. And that was a really cool piece that kind of dug into that show and kind of what was unique about its production and its exposure on Nickelodeon in terms of being such a different show from the rest of the lineup. So really, really love Knickknacks and Paparina's videos and definitely check out their Mysterious Set of Gold episode. Hmm, I might have to check those out. Mm -hmm. But also going back to the subject of Adult Swim and, of course, anime. Of course, Adult Swim airs Tanami. There's some Tanami-related stuff I'd like to shout out. First of all, uh, the Tanami Faithful Podcast recently did something called the Tanami Faithful Awards, where they kind of got, you know, listener fan input on, like, what their favorite 
shows and characters and promos on the block war last year. And so that was a very interesting project. It got really good reception. And you can listen to their podcast kind of going through all the results because it was pretty interesting to see like what came on the top, what were like the Tanami faithful fan favorites of stuff that was shown on the block last year. But then also related to that, uh, the Tanami crew themselves do their own show, Tanami Pre-Flight, where Jason DeMarco and Sean Atkins, they usually have a subject they talk about every week, and then they make recommendations sprung off of that, and then they reveal some things that are coming up on the block, or reveal some show promos early and stuff. And then it's been interesting recently, because of the pandemic, you know, they're not in their usual studio, but they've been zooming from home. And one of their recent episodes, they were going through like kind of a bracket they created of Tanami shows that were like significant in the block's run. They were like using the bracket to like figure out what is the most significant Tanami show of all time. And I thought that their insights and their perspective on like what shows were important to Tanami specifically were really interesting. And of course, Dragon Ball is very relevant to that, considering the importance of Dragon Ball to Tanami. So that's another great recommendation. I was enjoy listening to Tanami Pre-Flight as well. And I think that'll close out my recommendations for this week's Community Shoutouts. All right. Uh, a lot of a lot of great stuff. Definitely go uh, check all those out. Um, and I think that's going to be about it for this episode of the podcast. But just real quick before we, uh, you know, round off, um, just want to put out there that uh, next week on the podcast, uh, either next week or the week after, uh, you know, you can look forward to uh, our next discussion. And uh, that'll be on on a very beloved card fighting manga, Chihaya Furu. I wouldn't call it a card fighting manga it is a card game manga well I I but mean, like card fighting it makes it sound like it is like Yu-Gi-Oh or duel masters they're not I mean, it's summoning the, it's... monsters from their cards <laughs> Kelton. i mean now, look, that would be interesting a version of karuta where you're like summoning like actual spirits or images based on the poems now that would be a shonen series well look i just i just didn't think it'd be cool if i just said card manga because that just sounds boring card fighting now that that brings in that brings in viewers i mean card game is more accurate though so all right fine card gaming manga chihayafuru there but we we did have a pretty good discussion with uh with a lot of uh, a lot of really cool guests including our good friends uh Bomber and Jekka uh as well as Corey from the Taiku podcast as well as a few other podcasts and whatnot so uh i thought that was a pretty good discussion and again you can look forward to that next week so yeah that's going to be coming up but uh yeah i guess uh with that, all, all that out of the way, I think it's time for us to go ahead and plug our stuff. Uh, Lum, you can go ahead and start us off. You can find me at Lum Ramiyasha on the internet, wherever there's a Lum Ramiyasha, that's where you can find me, namely Twitter. But you can also read my reviews on all-comedy.com. We've got a lot of books coming in, a lot of reviews going out, so definitely look forward to a lot of reviews on there, as well as new episodes of the hashtag Lum Squad podcast, which has returned to a regular monthly schedule. 
And I'm very excited, especially since some big things are going on in the world of Takahashi fandom right now. So very, very excited to continue with that project. So yeah, look forward to that. All right. But as for me, I'm Colton. You can find me on Twitter at SniperKing323. Uh, I also host a few other podcasts on the side, uh, such as uh, Life Lessons, the Gintama Manga Cast, which is on a hiatus at the moment, uh, as well as One Podcast Prevails, which is a podcast about Detective Conan slash Case Closed. I host with my friend uh, Doctor from the Ask Backwards Anime Podcast. Uh, and you can you can find ba- uh, links to all those and more at my personal blog at coltoncorner.wordpress.com where I have a dedicated page to basically whatever podcast I'm uh, I'm uh, either hosting or producing or whatnot. And so, yeah, uh, as far as uh, All Comic is concerned, you basically want to go to all-comic.com because that's where we post every episode of Manga Mavericks first. Unless you were a patron of ours at patreon.com slash manga mavericks, where at the $2 tier, if you sign up for that in particular, uh, you'll have the chance to listen to uh, early editions of the podcast, depending on when we have them edited. Or you could sign up for a $5 tier, uh, in which at the end of every month, uh, you receive a new bonus podcast exclusively available on the Patreon. Uh, right now, we are currently doing our Manga Mavericks Book Club read-through series on Saint Seiya, the original Saint Seiya manga from Masami Kuramata as it ran in Weekly Shonen Jump. Uh, I'm currently going through that manga for the first time, along with my friend Doctor, again, from the Ask Backwards Anime Podcast. And uh, yeah, it's been a real blast going through that manga for the first time. Um, Though, uh, again, we are on a bit of hiatus from that, so uh, the next bonus podcast to come out uh, will will basically be another uh, one-off review. Uh, But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that when it actually comes out. Uh, but again, in general, you can expect at least one bonus podcast at the end of every month if you sign up for that $5 tier. Uh, again, uh, patreon.com slash manga mavericks is really the best place to support us. And if you want, uh, you know, more bonus content. But uh, again, continuing with all comic, uh, you can follow us on facebook.com slash all.comic or on twitter.com slash allcomic underscore. Uh, but if you want to follow Manga Mavericks in particular, you want to follow us on Twitter at Manga underscore Mavericks, or you can follow us on Tumblr at MangaMavericks.tumblr.com for all the latest updates on the podcast. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash Manga Mavericks, where we post different excerpts of the show, uh, including whatever we review, any new, other news pieces, um, and even some exclusive content every once in a while. So again, that's at YouTube.com slash Manga Mavericks. Uh, email us anything at mangamavericks at gmail.com. You know, what are you reading at the moment? Uh, what do, do you have? Do you have any more Dragon Ball questions you want to ask us? Uh, you know, what are some manga that you want us to read on the show? You know, just, uh, email us anything about whatever manga you're reading or the podcast, uh, you know, basically anything and we'll, we'll read it on the show again at mangamavericks at gmail.com. Uh, but the most important thing, guys, is that you subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcast or basically wherever this, wherever you're listening to this podcast. Uh, it really helps the visibility of our show. Really helps us get out there to more listeners, and uh, we we just appreciate it in general. So, you know, leave us a rating, a review, you know, just whatever you can. Um, and uh, yeah, that's basically going to be about it. And so this has been episode 119 of the Manga Mavericks podcast on all-comic.com. 
And we will see you guys next time for episode 120. Bye, guys. Sayonara. Sayonara.